Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. I need to once again adjust my Skype. What happened? Me. I can just I can hear you guys through my computer speakers, not my headphones. Mm. I have problems almost every time I try to join. Today is the first time it, I could hear the two of you talk in a while. I don't have any problems, but I do a mic check and recording test before I start. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's weird. Almost every other week uh, when we do it, I have to jump off and then jump back on and then it's fine. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Except for today. Except today, which is, I mean, good. It's a good sign. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so how have you guys been? Good. 17 year anniversary yesterday. Uh, oh, did yeah. a lot of, did a lot of cleanup and wore myself out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We celebrated a... your anniversary by cleaning. Yeah, we had it. We had a bunch of stuff uh, from when the uh, furnace room had been flooded last year, like just out below the deck. And so the kids like to play basketball down there with me, and I'm, and it kind of makes it a pain. So we cleaned all that out, and then we cleaned out the workroom, which is full of all the toys that have got moved that never found a home after we moved into this house. And so, yeah, we were breaking down cardboard, moving stuff around. Happy anniversary. It was it was time spent together well spent, so that's not yeah. nothing. Everybody yeah. was contributing or just you? <laughs> no, just just me and Kristen. <laughs> Everybody oh. else was having a good time. Right. Doing something. Up, upstairs playing video games, watching Disney movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get a sense of accomplishment during your celebration. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Productive. Yeah. How about you, Chris? You've been away for a while. Yeah, um, doing pretty good. We had uh, we had the house closed up in the middle of the week for uh, this the wildfire smoke, mm. um, which wasn't as bad here as it was out in New York City and stuff. But we did have, I think it was Wednesday was the worst day where the I've never really. You know, I guess on the West Coast is something that's dealt with more frequently. It's unusual here to have to look at the air quality index yeah. uh, on our basis. We, we were up in the red zone on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah we, we, we couldn't see the sky with uh, Canadian fires one of the days. We couldn't, couldn't even see the sky. It looked like a fog, but it wasn't a fog. It was the from the fire. Yeah. So that was that was. We get we get used us. to it though because it happens so frequently. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's, I guess it's. If there's something not burning in Colorado, it's burning in California or Arizona or Utah, and we're getting it. Yeah. 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 This was pretty different for for us up here. Yeah, I had a emergency root canal on Thursday. I didn't expect oh, to have it, but <clears throat> I had some weird jaw pain and things were just deteriorating. And I'm like, holy shit, Heroes Con's coming up. 
and uh, called the doctor and they sent me in for an emergency, which is good because it happened so fast, but extremely yeah. painful. Usually I've had like, I don't know, maybe four, maybe five root canals. And this was by far the most painful. <laughs> well, that stinks. Yeah, I wasn't numbed up right. So like I was good numb until they hit the root and then, God, I right. could feel everything. Yikes. And then by then they can't inject, you know, you have that cloth over your face and they can't inject anymore into your, so they, they try to put Novocaine on the drill bits <laughs> and it's like, Jesus. Oh God. Oh my God. I yeah, can't it's imagine, excruciating. Man. And then I which... had it f- filled at the same time, which I mm. didn't think that was going to be a big deal because the root's gone. Right. But the tooth was so agitated and inflamed that that was excruciating too. So I took the next day off just because of I was just in not good shape. But today I'm feeling pretty damn good. And yesterday I had a pretty good day. So my I... jaw always hurts so bad <laughs> after they do any major work just from having been, you know, cranked open for like an hour. Yeah, for, this was a two and a half hour process. Oh, Jesus. So with, the, with the blocks in there because it was my far upper left molar. Oh, yeah. So it was way up there, but uh, yes, yeah, pretty extreme. But uh, it it's sort of like feeling pretty good today, so I'm pretty happy. And I'm you glad get... I got it taken care of because nerve pain is like the worst. Like that. Oh yeah. That could have taken me out at Heroes Con. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, you are they they give you meds or are you just like on regular like over the counter stuff? Oh, they gave me an amoxicillin, which is good because I had I know I had an infection. Sure, sure. And That's they good. gave me a, a steroid for anti-inflammatory, and then they gave me a prescription for like a heavy dosage of painkiller. Yeah. But he said if. He said, only fill it if I need it, and I haven't needed it. Just take Tylenol and ibuprofen. So that that seemed to work, just having both of those in my system. That's good. Yeah, usually once the inflammation is down, I have always found it's that's usually some of the worst part of it is just like the jaw and the in the in the inflammation. Yeah, for me, it's the only thing that's bothering me now is my chewing a little bit. And sure. my just when I eat and uh, my neck because it was like turned to the right just at a certain degree for a long period of time. Right. So it, it just got like really stiff in the neck. I'm but, glad it uh, sounds like for the most part it came out okay though, even though the surgery sucked. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad because last weekend I was like, what the hell is this? This is very yeah. uncomfortable. Hmm. Yeah, I waited a little bit because it looked like things were getting better, but I was like, what if this is an infection? Because I've had jaw infection before. Yeah. I had to go to the emergency room, and I God, I would hate to go to the emergency room in an area where I'm in North Carolina <laughs> yeah, and not yeah, in my own home, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I better get this looked at. So that all worked out and yesterday we went to go see into the spider verse or across the spider verse and i i wasn't even planning to go see it to tell you the truth until it was streaming because we liked the first one but i was like ah i don't know if i want to see a cartoon and it was really good <laughs> I'm it's glad gorgeous I, I i i yeah I, i'm really glad i got to see it it was very emotional and i, I thought it was really well shot and the story was really good 
And every time I think there's just too many Spider-Men, I, I read something like Spider-Man by Mark Bagley and Dan Slott and, and then go see this. And I'm like, yeah, maybe there's not enough Spider-Man. But yeah, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I think my only disappointment is, and it's a it's a silly disappointment, but it's almost like I wish I'd have known. Uh, I I just wish I'd known that it was basically a part one. Um, I did know the, that. Oh, okay. So I didn't, and so I kept looking at my watch, going like, "There's not much time left. How in the world are they going to wrap this up?" And so yeah. uh, it, that's the only thing I was a little bummed by. But other than that, I mean, it was fabulous. I, it did. I think, it did end on a good cliffhanger too. I it think. did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. And and like I say, the blending of the animation is it's made it probably the the prettiest American animation I've ever seen. Yeah, so it was really good. I had, I was aware of pretty much all the Spider Man because I've I've read it. You know, I've right. read all the Ben Riley and I've read a lot of the Spider Verse, so I like recognized a lot of the characters that were there. Right. But uh, I never read Spider Man India, and I I thought. I thought he was pretty cool. Like, yeah, I, I was. I like, didn't realize he'd been around for so long. Yeah, I was. Well, he originally had his own series, right. Many years back, and then reappeared in a new series that just came out, I think, this week. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I found his, I found his character pretty interesting. So I was like, I, maybe I, I need to read this when it comes on the app, you know, because it, it looked pretty cool. That's how I am with Spider-Punk. I remembered him from Spider-Verse, but I didn't think enough of it uh, to, like, get the series. And I remember my son, Jack, really liked it. And I was like, well, yeah. whatever. And, but I, now I, I want to I go back and read that on the app. Yeah, it's like anarchy in, the, yeah. <laughs> in there. And it's, it's pretty crazy. There's, like, a Craven that they're after. And there's a Captain America that's totally different. And it, it plays off the punk genre in a you know post-apocalyptic world it, it's yeah. pretty good and, and my brother even liked him he called me when he saw it he saw it before me and uh he, him and his son and he said yeah we really like spider punk so when we're gonna see him next he says you need to bring the spider punks on your ipad so i can see right <laughs> yeah that, he was he was my favorite of the new ones but it, it's it's exciting that they're gonna bring uh all the ones from the first movie back too that's pretty cool yeah i like yeah, I liked. I still. I, I think I like the main characters the best, uh, sure. Miles and Gwen. Like yeah. I, I think they were just hitting the emotional thing, pretty good with their both their parents and their families and their you know what they're dealing with and I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I. I it was. I was glad to see uh, that it was going to be focusing mainly on the the two of them because I wasn't sure how much. Uh, Miguel was going to be in it. And I think it was just enough. I don't remember him being so. Stern. Like I, no, yeah. I, I guess yeah. like yeah, I, I, I knew, I knew he was in that Alchemax and he was in a darker, definitely a darker world in 2099, but I didn't know he was going to be like that. Yeah. I don't same. know. Total, yeah. like almost like a sort of Superman in injustice, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, he's like the the. It's funny you say Superman. I was thinking Batman. It was like he's the the Bruce Wayne. Just everything's very serious and matter of fact, and don't screw around. You know, is where my head went. But but yeah, exactly. He is. Well, the I was Superman thinking Superman Injustice. because more of the to Tolatorian kind of. Yeah. 
you're, do as you're I say. Right. Yep. Whereas Batman's more, even in those situations, still fighting for the freedom of, even though he's in a darker, listen to me, do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got that uh, that Batman Beyond vibe, I guess, was what I was thinking. Like the Bruce Wayne who's like old and crotchety and sitting in the house giving yeah. orders. Yeah. yeah. It, it was we good. Were... I, I can't wait for the second part. When is it supposed to come out? I don't know. Barb was asking me about that. And, but yeah. I, was gl- I was I wasn't planning to see it, which is pretty cool because I went in with – it takes a lot for me to see a cartoon unless it's – the Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus, like sure. I watch all of that stuff, but I just don't have like the motivations to. Even even with the cool DC stuff, I don't know why it is. Yeah. But um, I was really I'm, pleasantly surprised. I'm the same way. I've got a stack of the DC movies that we've slowly bought, and I just never am in the mood to watch them. Yeah, I've, and I, I have to be in the mood. I did yeah. I did watch the movie that you and Rob talked about last time, Sinister. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. that was pretty strange. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you love the the lawnmower scene? Yeah. Well I I thought those were really vile and I liked the twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like I liked the twist a lot, but what was driving me crazy is how the wife could sleep through all the racket that guy was making. Yeah, no kidding. He was in the point. attic. He was flying through the roof. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was oh, like, man, man, she is a heavy sleeper. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, but he wasn't... Up... He, he, he was driving me crazy, too, because he was, in my opinion, he was a horrible father. Oh, he was the worst. He, and, and husband. Yeah, because, who would, because, like, because... Who would put your family in that situation? Yeah, he was totally selfish. Like, yeah. Yeah. in that whole movie and um yeah it was pretty good though i it was it was dark i i liked it yeah so thanks we, for that recommendation oh happy to we ended up watching both the uh the hunt and ready or not um the hunt i could i could see why that one might be divisive i think it equally picks fun at like liberal people and conservative people and i yeah. could see I could see why why it kind of has a low rating. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I thought it was well. Really it has good. that political thing, and yeah, it's it weird how does. they it's weird how they twist the Republican Demo- Democrat thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, well, but, they're, they're um, definitely ripping on both extremes. I think. I, oh, they are. They are. Yeah. And uh, but I like. I like movies where people are getting hunted or doing the hunting. I don't know why yeah. I do. I just. So had you seen Ready or Not or Not? I couldn't yeah, I, I have seen it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. We we ended up watching both of them. I'm not sure which one Kristen liked better because I had seen Ready or Not before. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was Rob who hadn't seen it. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, Rob hadn't seen it. Yeah, he he needs to. That one's really flipping good. I like that one a lot. And then uh, what did we watch last night? We watched The Watcher. With the actress. Oh, from... that is so good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I hadn't seen it before. I like. Oh, it is that is that the Watcher that was on Shutter or? Yes, Shutter? the one on yeah, Shutter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Be- dude because was there from... was there was the other one, the Watcher or like with something. Keanu. No, the one that was on Netflix. Oh, that one's good too. With Naomi Watts. Oh and, my uh, God, that was yeah, incredible. Bobby Cannavale. I... Yeah. That was that, based on the good. true story. Yeah, that yeah. was that was really good. I yeah. like the Shutter one because it was so subtle, and you're just yes. kind of like, 
you get to the point where you're almost feel gaslit. You're like, okay, maybe nothing is happening. And then shit goes down and it, and it's just boom, 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 right up to the end. I like yeah. it. It was good. Yeah, so did I. I. It was one of those movies I wasn't expecting a lot, but it was better Same. than I, yeah. It was like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but it was way better than I thought. I like I like her. I don't think I've seen her in anything other than this and It Follows. But I need I need to see if she's been in uh, any other horror movies because I think she does a good job. She doesn't overplay stuff. Yeah, no, she was yeah. good. Yeah, her husband was a little neglectant, and I I think. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Like when he made fun of her in Romanian to like the coworkers. Yeah, that was so fucking rude. Yeah. And she's like, and she's like, uh, leaving the party. He's like, how, how can you live in this fantasy? I'm like, bruh, you just made fun of your wife to like, in to to her face in front of other people. You don't do that in a language she doesn't under totally understand. Like she was picking off words later on right. too. Right. And he did it multiple times. He did it at that party too. He did it when they were having dinner one night, and then right. again at that when they were out with their friends at that party. Dude, I hope she leaves him. I know we, you know, in my head canon, she left him because she's like, "Screw you, I'm going back to America." I, that's what I hope happened. He was horrible. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't a yeah. good, good husband for sure. I know Mr. Ivy's been posting a bunch of uh, Marvel stuff he's been reading uh, on Instagram, and uh, how's that going? Uh, good. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm posting stuff that I. I read in the past though, at right. this point. I'm getting I'm getting there. I, I I wanted to do it, but I I couldn't let myself just pick up where I'm at right now and right not Mid-stream. have posted all the other stuff. <laughs> it just I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't do that. So um, yeah, I should be I should be caught up soon because I think. Um, let me look here, because I have been. I, I'm going to talk a couple Marvel books today, but um, where am I at now? Um, let's find the right tab here. Um, I just started uh, August of 1996. Um, 1966, <laughs> I meant to say. So, so- um, my question is, when you don't do something like I know, sometimes you'll say you didn't read the Ant Man or whatever. Is that because you're not interested in it, or? Yep. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. I don't. I, I haven't skipped much. I skipped. I skipped Ant Man, which I'm past the point now. Um, Ant Man gets good stuff, dropped and though. replaced with Submariner, and I skipped right. Submariner too. Okay. Those um, are good stuff. Two of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I, I just a lot of the early Ant Man stories are kind of bad, um, and uh, Submariner, I, I like him as a supporting character, as mm-hmm. a antihero. I like him in his Fantastic Four appearances, but I don't find him interesting as a solo character um, that much. I don't know when he gets his own book. I don't know if I'll continue to keep skipping it or not, but. I don't skip too much. Um, right now, that's the only thing that I'm skipping is like is the Submariner story, which I still read the Hulk story and Tales to Astonish. And um, 
I was skipping... The Torch, maybe? Yeah, back yeah. when Human Torch, I was skipping his, because most of his solo stuff is, is not that great, in my opinion. I, I could have picked up when they added the thing. I just didn't, but... Um, now that's Nick, then they, they dropped that for Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I do read, cause, and I like that a lot. Um, I haven't been reading Howling Commandos. That is more, I, I would almost just, because that kind of takes place in its own time period and doesn't connect, you know, Sergeant Fury connects as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. more to the Marvel Universe. I'd almost just rather read Holland Commandos on its own um, and not not in the same format of, of reading what came out in a given month. You know, just read read a chunk of Holland Commandos back-to-back. Well, yeah, because it's, it's not going to give you context as much as the other stuff would. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it does kind of its own thing. But, yeah, I mean, I picked it up again. I think I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to stick with it a little longer. I mean, I, I started this project uh, years ago now. And and if I kept at the pace that I'm going, I'm never really going to make <clears throat> any significant progress. And I, it's not that like, I want to keep catch up to current. Like, I have been reading some, not current Marvel, but um, I picked up, I kind of knew what had been going on in the Marvel Universe up to about uh like legacy uh fresh start kind of time period so i i picked up and started reading some stuff from that time period so it's not like i'm i'm expecting myself to go all the way through from the from fantastic four number one and and somehow catch up but it would be kind of cool to get to like heroes reborn or something like that where that was kind of you know that first time that they started relaunch like first started their habit of relaunching stuff with number ones a lot. Yeah, it'd be kind of kind of. But even if I catch up to like through the '80s or something like that, but I, w- I would like to get into the '90s just because that's probably the biggest blind spot for me and when it comes to Marvel comics is the '90s. Um, because I started in the 80s and then got back into comics around 2000. Um, and I never have really gone back and read some of that stuff from the 90s. So, But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so Good I started stuff. Marvel Reading Project on Instagram. I just started. What also motivated me was... I found a podcast called Marvel by the Month that started, okay, uh, like I want to say like 2017 or something like that. I think they started um, right after I stopped really paying attention to Marvel pod, or I mean comic book podcasts in general. I wasn't really like you know aware of anything new coming out or paying attention to anything. So, um, but uh, I, I did find out about this podcast. Two guys in in Portland. Do. and they seem to so i guess what that's almost six years they've been doing it now um so they're well ahead of where i'm at but i've been listening to their older episodes and catching up working on catching up to where i'm at and i'll probably listen to that along with with my reading but 
I would, I'd like to try to, for a little while at least, try to get a month's worth of comics read every week. But I'm not trying to read only that, because I think that I'll get sick of that, you know? Sure. Uh, that's why I'm kind of doing some more modern stuff, and I've been catching up on some um, Flash, some of the Flash stuff, I the new Flash stuff I haven't read yet. Well, one cool Brett thing, DC. If you make it to the 70s now that uh, ROM and and Micronauts is getting reprinted, the only stuff uh, out there that will not be available will be basically like Shogun Warriors and Godzilla that crosses over, right? Because basically now all the licensed stuff, with the exception of those two that crosses over, is going to be is going to be well. No, I guess there's still Team America and US One, but it's cool that a lot of that stuff's coming back, so that you know. You, hit, you could uh, you wrong. could you could buy those though for fairly they're cheap. They're cheap. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, but but, but as far as seeing them in print, like you won't see those on the app unless you buy them. Yeah. I like like I I don't think that Marvel likes to really do things that they're licensing on the app, like Conan. Um, you know, like that's, that's they they right. might touch it and then pull it, but they don't because they they know they're gonna have to do the work and then get rid of it. So they don't. Yeah. Use it. I wonder if they knew with that Conan because they were licensing it, that they might not hang on to it. Cause boy, they didn't bother putting anything on the app when not even Savage Avengers was available. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. Yeah. It okay. might've been even in the licensing deal from the beginning that, yeah. they, that they weren't allowed to put it on there, even if they wanted to, you know, depending you on Chris star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they actually owned it, though, didn't they? Because they brought Wars. it. Uh, Chris I, no, I thought brought... Chris Star might have been one they did, and then it became a toy. Oh, I think that is because uh, if I want to, if I'm not mistaken, he shows up in Jason Aaron's Weird World. And, oh, he and... does. You're right. You're right. Because uh, I was like, I thought he was licensed, and no, they actually own those characters. <laughs> yeah, I forgot they just don't about use that. them. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, as time goes on, what isn't isn't available on the app, and um, if and if there's anything that isn't available on the app that I want to read badly enough that I I want to track it down, um, yeah. and how accessible that's it, you know, because by the time I get to ROM, if it depending on the licensing deal, if it's just a limited time publication sort of thing. You know, by the time I get there, if they don't reprint those omnibuses, they'll probably be like six hundred dollars or something. That's true. Um, but gee, you, if, if you got a print. good interlibrary loan program, Chris, the minute that hits uh, hits libraries, just try to try to just track down a copy that way, so you can just read it. You know, if you're interested. You know. Yeah, that's true. I haven't in the past really taken advantage of interlibrary loan, but I was I was actually thinking about that. Um, the other day, because I was looking at, you know, um, I have the DC app now, right now too, and yeah. um, there they haven't been. A, a Marvel Unlimited has been around for so long. I mean, I remember reading uh, Marvel Unlimited. I don't even know if it was called that at the time, but um, as far back as when tablets and stuff weren't really a thing. I mean, I oh, remember yeah. sitting at my desktop computer and just being uh super excited that i could 
you know read stuff on on there so they go way back so they they've i mean i because i could I can remember when there were, even in some of the big titles like Fantastic Four, that there were there were gaps of what was available on there, and right. you don't run into those gaps as frequently. Um, so DC, because they're newer, you, you do see those gaps more. I mean, they are adding old stuff every week, but you know what I like about DC though is they put out collections. So I agree. Like, yeah, that's really You could really just cool. download the whole Golden Age Omnibus Superman if you want and just start reading from the beginning. Yeah, no, that that's cool. No, they, I mean they 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 there's a lot on there and they've they're always adding stuff. But yeah, I was Golden Age stuff, you know, it's um stuff that they've put out in archives but not republished as a Omnibus recently isn't really on there. Right. Um so I was just it, I was thinking about that, and it just happened to occur to me that interlibrary loan is a thing. And um, if I if I did want to read some of that, the archives, a lot of them are expensive. So it just occurred to me, hey, that's that's an option if I want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good way. I we read a lot of uh, series that like you would think libraries would have, but like they be missing chunks or they'd only have parts of. Like we read almost all of Berserk through interlibrary loan because around here they only had like the first handful of volumes. And I mean, that's a, he passed away uh, not that long ago. And I think it only had maybe one more to go when he died. And um, yeah, we ended up reading, I want to say the last 30 volumes of that through interlibrary loan. So didn't they start re-releasing that in Dark Horse though, or am I thinking of something else? Yeah, they they have they they've been doing like these big volumes, uh, like three in one like hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, but uh, I don't, like the library I work for. A lot of times they won't do those because they'd rather do like the the more. I don't know a nice way to say it. Just those are kind of pricey. So they tend to stick to the small size uh, graphic novels or manga. Our library really doesn't because we have to buy for three buildings. So we don't do a lot of like big hardcovers. We do a lot of like the soft cover collections, maybe an epic collection once in a while. Even those are kind of pricey. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you kind of have to anticipate for loss and damage as yeah. well. You know, so it's I think it's it's less risky to pick up paperbacks and stuff like that um probably because i i know i noticed that um i think i searched for a couple of the um dc omnibuses on um i know what it was it was the i was curious about the legion of superhero silver age omnibuses it's volume one and volume three are really easy to find for sale but volume two is uh out of print and really expensive and i was curious to see if um libraries had that and um there weren't many yeah i got lucky on those i think i have all those in the showcases so i think they go up right through grell the showcases do i can't remember how many volumes it had maybe five so it it gets through all the it gets through all the silver age at least and then it gets i think into the grell stuff before it stops but yeah i need some more of the bronze age legion uh I don't know. I wish they'd come back again. I I know Bendis had that little short run, but I, I would be happy to have another another shot of the Legion. I'm always happy when there's a book. 
I even liked the Bendis run. I mean, it was it was very different. Yeah. And he was juggling a lot in he a was. fast period of time. It wasn't as condensed as like his usual stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I I I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah. I I, I could use another Legion book. I I wish they would uh bring Shooter back. <laughs> Yeah, no <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> uh, I do. I do still. I do think that there's uh, still potential there. I think it, someone's got to figure out the the right way to. Um, I don't. I don't think that they've figured it out. Um, I think they did in E52. They were kicking ass. Legion what? lost, and Keith up Keith Giffen and Levitz. They were doing great. Well, I'm, I'm talking about just not not even just from a personal standpoint, but just from a uh, from a economic standpoint, like something that would be successful enough to, like I think there's potential there to, have in the franchise for it to have broader appeal. Oh, I think sure. there's a vocal yeah. minority is the problem. I yeah. think the I think the fans are real fans, but they're just not enough of them to to come back to it like they talk the talk but then when the something comes out they don't support it for whatever reason and uh, i mean it might be quality or whatever they don't i i i would support it regardless i mean yeah you, you need like the right Legion. balance between something that's gonna i mean it's a hard thing to do but you need something that's gonna appeal to the established fans but bring in a, a big new audience well, I almost wonder if you need to do something like they've done in the past um, where you've got either Superboy or Supergirl where you can have like almost like, a, you know, like you'll have a, something that, like the malls used to do where you have an anchor store where you have like an anchor character and they can maybe secure getting people in on the book. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it also serve as the point of view character for the audience, you know. Yeah. The character that maybe um you know is new to that that century so needs to needs to learn and be told things that the audience needs to learn and be told you know yeah i i mean what dc needs is somebody who's popular like miles morales who's young that you could could do that with you know fling miles morales into the future for like an arc or two and then I don't know who the DC equivalent of that is. I know they wanted it to be Naomi. I don't know that she did well enough for it to be her. But mm-hmm. you know, I like just... what Ben. I like what Bendis did. He he linked it at the beginning. He kind of lost what he started with his original vision, but he linked Thorn. You know, from mm-hmm. Rose and Thorn. Yeah. I thought I thought that was genius. Like I was like, wow, this is this is something. And then he kind of like it. It just last. I mean, it lasted to the intro, and then it kind of petered out like after an issue or two. And that was like one of the the links that I was like, "Wow, this is really incredible." He had Jonathan there for a minute too, didn't he? Yeah, he did because Saturn Girl liked him. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I don't know what the answer is. I know what was the one that Howard Porter did, maybe with Keith Giffen in the future. That was a really good one with a uh, Booster Gold and and uh, Blue Beetle. Almost like if you could tie some, something like that. Like, do you remember that one? 
Yeah, yeah, I've read what all What was of that, that one called? Anything Keith Giffen did was great. I don't remember. Oh, man, that was a good book. Almost if you could tie something like that into Legion, that would be cool, too. When, I don't when know. Keith Giffen was doing a Scott Koblish, oh, my God, mm-hmm. it looks so Kirby-esque. It was oh, yeah. freaking amazing. I love when those two collaborate because it's like, whether it be OMAC or that, they just, it looks like Kirby. Like, it just, yeah. it just pops. I mean, it's incredible. I would like to see even, personally, even though it's like not, canon all, all the time or tom king take a a, a thing at it because what he did with adam strange and mm-hmm. other things like yeah it's a new take but he usually gets people to read stuff you yeah. know at the eisner level and the critically acclaimed level that wouldn't normally be reading stuff like that like his human target and like i i don't know i think he's really clicking with me at least well, I hope uh, the the public isn't over superheroes because I, I really hope this Jaime movie does well, and uh, maybe Jaime can bring some butts to the seats again. And uh, I hope Flash does. That's what I do because uh, the outlook <sighs> is not good. People, they the last time I I looked at numbers that. They they think uh, less than half of what initially said they would, would watch the movie is going to watch it. So I, I just don't know. I don't know, but I know it's critically acclaimed. Like people sure. like Stephen King and everybody that's seen it are loving it. Yeah. And I, I just know think... I'm going to love it. Batman 89 is going to have Michael Keaton as Batman. I That's that's my shit right there. That's like... No. That like is why I love bat superhero movies is when I went to Batman 89, that was like the biggest, even though I grew up on Superman 78, which was spectacular. Right. At, at, when, when 89 came out that I was out of high school and it was just like super Batmania was just everywhere. Yeah. It was incredible. Like everybody had Batman shirts. It was and the excitement we were it was like a mob rush to get into the theater because there were no reserved seats and right. people were just like stepping on each other and rushing and i don't know it was like total excitement then you got the danny elfman music playing and it just opens and i'm batman and it's like jack nicholson oh I, i'm just so excited to see the flash are you going next weekend or is it you're going to be out of town it depends. We're going to be out of town, but me and Barb and Bill might go see it in North Carolina. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Jack and I have tickets pretty early Saturday morning. I think we're going, like, to the 10 a.m. on Saturday, the first showing they've got. So. Yeah. Yeah, they were doing a, uh, a promo. Uh, we're in, like, the rewards club. They were like, if you, if you get tickets early – uh, and sign up before like the 31st or some or whatever day you it get was. Get a price out 20 yeah, or something. You get a well, you get extra bonus points to use. So, and uh, so we're like, okay, let's do it. So we went ahead and bought tickets like pretty much as soon as they went on sale. Yeah, so. I I um I know it's divisive with people, and people aren't gonna necessarily go see it. At least they say they're not. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But but, but who knows? Uh, who yeah. knows? I think I think uh, the animated the- Miles Morales movie was really well received. It was like yeah, I I, I, think. I think it at least on opening weekend it exceeded expectations, um, which is good. You got the you got a 
the turtles coming out too so you've got another big comic animated movie and uh it looks like that one could be good it looks strange the animation it looks like claim claymation like animation <laughs> it looks very weird yeah i don't know if i can do it like i, I like the <laughs> turtles but i don't know if i can do it like I, I will definitely see it but i don't think i'll go to the theater to see it well, if I sat through Super Mario Brothers, I can sit through anything. We went to see that with my daughter and the kids, and I'm like, ugh, I can, I can get through any movie. I did not like it at all. Oh, really? Uh-uh. It was I, so boring but, but to the me. But kid, the kids liked it, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's But that's what it is. I think it's not made for me. It's yeah. made for kids. and it, it felt like a very long episode of television, and I just I got really bored with it. But they loved it, so that's all that matters. And it looked pretty, you know? Yeah. As long as kids are entertained, a kids movie. That's that's the point. So, yeah, things I, are generational too. You know? Most definitely. I don't mind when things aren't for me, and I've definitely gone to see movies that were were not for me. You know, but you're there because of the kids. It's fun when you get like a Wreck It Ralph where everybody can enjoy it, though. Yeah, I like. I think. Uh... I think I haven't seen it yet. We don't really go to the theater anymore, but um, I, th- I think I'll get some enjoyment out of Mario just because I just have such a long history of uh, playing Mario games. I know there's a, like a ton of Easter eggs for people in there that And that, that may be that it history. too, is I don't have the, the knowledge where it's going to appeal to me because that's like, oh, that's from Super Mario 3 or something, or that's from... You know, Mario Kart 64, I'm not going to get that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that makes sense, too. Yeah, I think you either need to be a kid or you need to have that that history, you know, yeah. for that. Uh, but, yeah, I, but that, I, um, go ahead. No, I would say that's okay, you know. And I, I'm not the one yeah. who's going to be like, hashtag Mario and have a picture of Bob Hoskins, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't feel that way. I get that not everything's going to click. So and that's and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's you know I I know when people get upset when something's different than what they're used to when they're a kid. Oh but sure. That's that's a lot more so. That's more so reportable of an argument when what you remember was actually good, <laughs> as opposed to the Super Mario movie from. Oh, it's, that thing's Bob so Hoskins weird. Movie. Yeah, we watched that's, that recently. It's a fever dream. It's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more of a so bad it's good kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just um, I, I, we'll probably see Flash on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, for me, it, even before um, the stars' uh, personal issues became a thing, I just was kind of sad that for me i i didn't care for that take on the character so i'm just you know it's kind of sad for me personally that um there's a flash movie which flash is one of my favorite characters but um i i didn't care for the take on the character in, in the justice league movie but i'll try to set that aside and still try to enjoy some aspects of it um from you know, I, I I would be more excited about it if the actor was different and the take on the character was a little different. And it may the take on the character may be different in this movie because, you know, in the Justice League, part of the problem with I don't 
when Flash gets relegated to the comic relief, um, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, but with a smaller cast um, and being the focus character, that might be a little different. But I, I am I am excited about the, the um, about the Michael Keaton a- angle and him playing, um, you know, the the different version of Batman. So, well, I think the the comedy thing was never really Barry shtick to begin with, you know, at least not the I haven't read as much Barry as I've read Wally either, because Wally was that he was like when Barry I hit the was ground, Barry's pretty dry. Yeah, that's Bar- what Bar- I Bar- Barry's like Hal, like, um, yeah. oh, God, I've think... got to go meet Iris and he's always late. But yeah, <laughs> he's, so there's he... an irony there, but <clears throat> I could be wrong, but I th- I know one place that the comic relief thing is really prominent is in the um, cartoons. Oh sure, yeah. Well, and that uh, was that was always Wally though, wasn't it? Like the yes. Justice Unlimited. Ju- I think it's League Wally, Unlimited. but yeah, and I think it was just it's just Wally by default because he was the Flash at the time in the comics, and I don't think it's really good in that Unlimited up. for sure. <laughs> it I, worked well for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I like those cartoons in general, but. I think that that's where the whole, you know, like, you, yeah, it they, didn't come from the comics, the but they thought like, well, we've got a team here, and we need every team needs a comic relief character. Right. Who's it going to be? It's going to be the Flash, and I don't, I don't begrudge them that choice because who else is it going to be really? I mean, you know, right. it's he's the character that suits the most, but it's like if you don't, in the team dynamic, you don't have the space for the character to have a lot of other dimensions you know that's true when you think about the makeup of that team you have what you have superman batman wonder woman martian manhunter john stewart hawk woman like that's that's pretty stern characters across the board i mean if yeah they, they pretty much had to have him right be at least the lighter of the characters and then when green arrow came in he was a little bit of a smart aleck too because but yeah i guess they really kind of needed it yeah, it, I don't like I said. That's why I don't really regret some of the choices. Yeah. It would have made even less sense for any of the other characters. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, yeah. You don't you don't see a quippy John Stewart very often. <laughs> yeah. It's the darker of the Green Lanterns, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the most stoic. He's of them the all. more the more tortured. I yeah. Lost the whole planet and Odyssey and mosaic and like it's. He's a he's the darker. Even though Hal's pretty dark, he's straight, but he's not. He's not as tortured. Yeah. He's more like a a straight uh, space cop. Hal. That's why I like Kyle. He was my oh. Wally. They're kind of like added personality to the to the character. Even though I love I. I grew up loving Barry and and Hal. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. when I got I got Wally and Kyle, I became more personally invested in their characters off screen. Right. Which yeah, makes a big the... a big deal to me is the off screen scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot the of marvelization that. of those characters, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that was the shift in um comic book writing you know right. dc in the silver age it wasn't so much that it just that's how they didn't 
Barry and Hal were the characters in the Silver Age when DC wasn't really writing a lot of character development, you know. Right. And we see that since they brought those characters back, they've made an effort to try to add a lot more character development to them. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, going to be great, though, is we're going to get Flash on the big screen. Hopefully that'll develop the characters some, for better or for worse, actor aside. And getting to see Michael Keaton again is going to be very cool. And I think everybody knows that Superman is my favorite, but I'm actually really excited they are tweaking it. And I don't know if she's going to be Supergirl or Superwoman, but whatever Kara's going to be, I'm really actually excited to see her as well. I think that's going to be a nice twist on the Flashpoint yeah. uh, story. So I'm the the three mains I'm I'm pretty stoked about. I like when they change things. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Because I just don't want to And that's a change that makes sense. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't like when they regurgitate comics because I've already read it. I, yeah. I like one. I want to go to the movies and at least get something different. Yeah. I don't like direct adaptations directly. I like to experience something that changes or is tweaked. And in some cases, I think some in some cases tweaked for the better, yeah. uh, at least when I look at it from a big like oh, this makes more sense for a larger audience kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, as much as I like the Infinity Gauntlet as a story, do you really want to watch two movies where the bulk of the movie is just going to be them wave after wave of people trying to attack either Thanos or Nebula, like just on a planet with stars in the background? That'd be boring. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody'd want to watch that. That's exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a great comic. But I don't want to see it <laughs> again. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I like when they tweak stuff. Well, I, it... I do. I do like the fact. That I'm I'm in the rare case of. I liked when studios had didn't. It wasn't all Disney, and the reason I liked it is because it seemed like they could make more adult, mm-hmm. more um, risky things that yeah. Disney will just not do they'll like disneyfy it and uh i i i liked when fox had the x-men and stuff and you can get a movie like logan and deadpool like i don't know what they're gonna do to deadpool but i hope they don't destroy it (laughs) yeah because it it has its own charm and i like that sony is just hey we're not gonna give you spider-man we're gonna do what we want (laughs) I, I, I'm looking forward to going to see Craven and seeing what they do with that character and, and Madam Web because they can do what they want. Yeah. And I, I like that. Yeah. I And you know what? I don't blame them. I'm, I'm, you know, if you gave me, if you gave me your toy, you can't come back 10 years later. Well, my toys are making money. Can I have that one I gave you back? No, yeah. you, you gave me that. And they've so, done good with the Spider-Man. Like they Sony's... have. It's not like they haven't been trying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And they they took chances, I think, with into the Spider-Verse, like, and also with the multiverse in the you know the the last movie of you know with Spider-Man in it and crossing over to ult you know Doctor Strange and all the other worlds and stuff brought in Tobey Maguire and all the other stuff. That's what I've always thought in my mind is 
every you know people say well it's not in continuity it doesn't matter in my mind everything matters and it's in continuity in the linear way that it was printed and you know, I got from point A to point B, and I logically make my own glue, whether people don't agree with it or not. I don't care. It I, exists. It's historically there. I, and I think that's the right way to view things. I mean, I, I want to say the first time I ever really remember seeing that was one of the turtles made for video movies where they took the current TV turtles, they brought in the 80s turtles, and then they had them blend and meet. And then at one point, they go back and meet an animated version of the Eastman Laird black and white turtles. And they even at one point have like on the screen flash like the live action ones for a second. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was the first time I ever saw it done. I think it was called Turtles Forever. Um, it's a fun little movie. But anyway, I, and, and that got in my head. I remember when, um, was it? Uh, I think the first real kerfuffle I remember was when the Star Wars got bought by Disney and everybody was very upset saying now legends won't matter. I have all these books and comics that don't matter anymore. And I just thought that was such a silly attitude to take. I'm like, yeah, I agree. I was like, this, these do matter. And those stories are in your mind and they did happen. Somebody put that story together. Because <laughs> to me, think about how exciting that is once Thrawn actually did make it into the, the quote-unquote real universe like he has, or um, Quinlan Voss is in the quote real universe, you know, to me, like, you should be excited. Like, oh, I read that. I was at the ground level when that got created, uh, reading those back in 96 or whatever. I To me, that's exciting. That's, it's, it's not nothing, you know. I think, don't you think it's often just old old dudes complaining when because <laughs> I, <think> <laughs> I mean i don't know i don't talk to a lot of people yeah. younger than me but um maybe it's just because their favorite stuff they they haven't they're still young and they need to when they grow up they'll be mad about their own stuff changing but it seems like maybe younger fans are more embracing of the idea of multiverses and stuff like that you know maybe it's because maybe they won't be because like that's kind of the approach most of the companies are taking now, you know, yeah. and it's such a big element of, um, you know, the approach that they take now. So right. it might be, it might be more comfortable with it. And isn't it trippy that like the whole idea was that young people couldn't handle multi multiverses. And that's why something that's so important to me, the crisis was even done. It's because like, Oh, it's too much baggage. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. And now and, it's and, everywhere. It's it's literally everywhere. I think it's great. I love it's it. It's on TV. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> it's in I, that I, Miles movie because they like even make it a point. This is Earth 6615 or whatever. That right. Goes. Right. They were getting yeah. up there in the numbers, man. <laughs> yeah. It's great stuff. Well, it, so, gives, them, it gives them freedom to do stuff that they couldn't normally do with their main license, you know? Well, yeah, now in, in the old days, it would have been a letter hack writing in and, you know, Stan would come up with a no prize or try to explain it away. Now you can just say, eh, that's, that's a splinter fragment universe that came off, you know, butterfly yeah. flapped its wings and, and that's what happened in that branch. You can just, and uh -huh. then you move on. So 
don't know. I love it. I, like every story. Because if you're honest with yourself, and this is going to sound really rude to people who work on modern corporate comics, and I don't mean it that way because they're well done. But ultimately, isn't everything a little bit fan fiction when it's not either written by Stanley or George Lucas anyway? Yeah, sort of. You know, I mean, it's, it's well, everything, everything, everything is derivative, and yeah. the more and more, the more and more we go into the future, it becomes more derivative. Yeah, and I even mean, AI recognizes it. Like right. the AI algorithms are like, oh, put this and this and this together and create this. You know, it's like. It's it's hard to be original because everything you do now is influenced by something. And yeah. and the more and more there's more product, the more and more you're going to see overlap. This is like this, this is like that. And that's why in solicitations nowadays, you know, back then you wouldn't see it's like this and that. Now you see an image thing and this is like saga versus this and you know like yeah. They're trying to get people into books based on what they liked previously right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah and any one given thing is not going to have this huge of cultural impact because there's there's so so much access everything's so access so much more accessible you know you're not going to have another Beatles you know where there's just a phenomenon you know because right. um, there's just so many different options out there. Um, well, it's so fragmented too. You know, I I don't know about your theaters, but uh, Pakistani and uh, Indian movies are like all the rage now, and playing it like the theaters on a regular basis. And that kind of stuff was unheard of when I was like in college or high school or whatever. The worldwide movies can hit like that, and everything's so fragmented. I don't think you could have a Beatles if you wanted to now. Right. Yeah. We have too much access for a Beatles to happen. Cause we right. can be like Beatles. What are you talking about? Do the bands they're ripping off from Germany or wherever are so much better. And you would just listen to the people who influenced the Beatles. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We live in an era where just, you can get just so much so quickly, which, I guess is is great and just different than the way we grew up, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you can live in New Brunswick and just pretty much solely listen to K-pop. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's true. I and mean, even as someone who was getting into. I miss the original wave of manga, the Apple Seeds, the Fist of the North Stars, you know, the ones that were coming out in comic-sized releases. But as someone who got into manga in the 2000s, the idea that you would be able to read it the same day that Shonen Jump in Japan dropped it, that sounds just wild to me initially because I'm like, how's that possible? Because you'd have to wait months and months and months for a chapter of Naruto or something. And now it's like that day so yeah for me yeah i didn't read manga back in the day but i did um i was for a brief period of time into anime and so i still get some kind of like i don't know time dissonance there's still part of me that's a little maze that you can just the accessibility of anime now where i remember going to media play and spending like 
$25 in the late 90s for two episodes right. on a VHS tape. <laughs> you know, right. It's just, like, it's, it's just crazy. But And subtitled, you can see some of those within like 24 hours, you know, like when Chainsaw Man was coming out. I, I don't know if Hulu had it quite that fast, but it, it was pretty quick. Within a couple of days of it being in Japan, it was on Hulu. Uh, subtitled, maybe not dubbed, but boom. Yeah. You could watch it. So it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's really changed. Well. All right. Well, we should get started on what we're covering. All right. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> Is it? I, I have this. I was so excited about this book. That's why I initially reached out to y'all. Because if you didn't, I was going to do a a story time with uh, Iowa's Joe on a uh, the twenty first century boys uh, because I liked this one so much, and it's a it's a good quick read too. So I won an auction the other day. I didn't even go in trying to get this series. I was looking for Baker Street, but one of the best options uh, they had to get the first six issues of Baker street was one where you got the first six issues of Somerset homes as well. So I ended up spending a pinch more than I wanted to, but Somerset homes for some reason is actually, I don't know. All of a sudden the indie back issues are starting to go up. I think people have realized, wow, some of these are never going to be collected. Some of these are never going to be reprinted. Some of these might not ever even be offered digitally. So some of these back issues have gone up in price that used to be like a buck a piece. These were ranging about $6 or so for VGs and up. So anyway, won the auction, got the first six issues of Baker Street and uh, the set of Somerset Homes. So I'm going to be doing issue number one from Pacific. This is a How do they spell that in summer? S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T. Okay. Yeah. So maybe a Somerset? I don't know. You got you got my southern accent to contend with, so I might be mispronouncing it. I don't know. Yeah, I think a Somerset is. I think I've heard it pronounced that way. Okay, cool. Uh, this one's by Bruce Jones and Brent Anderson. I think my previous experience of them was maybe. Okay, this is another one that I feel like popped up on Twitter. I always, my entire life, said Kazar. How do you guys say it? Kazar. Kazar, okay. I say because of the because Kazar, of because of the zet the 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 uh, dash I pause. Okay. okay. But I don't know if I don't I say Spider Man is one word. I don't say Spider Man. Right. <laughs> but anyway, that's how I first remember running into them. They were I want to say working on that book, and that's uh, how I remember them. But anyway, so you open it, and it turns out uh, they got a little picto story about. Uh, how Pacific Comics decided to do this book. And basically, um, they had live models because they tried to do as realistic a drawing as possible. So they actually show uh, a model clutching, uh, I don't know if it's a blanket or a robe, it's a black and white, it's kind of hard to tell. They also have her acting out another scene that happens later in the story, but it's pretty cool little pictures of uh, how they did the book. So it opens, you have a woman walking along a road. They have nine panel grid, cars coming up behind her. She turns, car is approaching fast. She dashes out of the way so quickly that her heel actually flies up and hits the headlight. The car kind of hits her sideways. You see her purse go flying 
and you see her lying there. Everything is uh, on a black screen, and uh, she's knocked out unconscious. And Somerset Holmes, written by Bruce Jones. Go to the next page, and you see a mouse looking up at her. There's a field of some sort she's lying in. She wakes up, and she's walking along the road, one shoe. She takes her shoe. She throws it off. She comes upon a house. Luckily, it's a doctor's house, Dr. J Jacob Hinkle. She knocks on the door. She goes in to see the doctor. And he says, my goodness, you're a mess. Takes her and asks her to change. She takes her clothes off. It happens to be one of those old country doctors, I guess, that I've never seen of or knew existed still, where his practice was actually in his home out in the middle of nowhere. So he hands her a thing to fill out. She can't remember her name. She can't remember her address. She's looking around. She weighs herself. She looks at her arm. She sees that there was something that used to be on her arm because there's a, a tan line, probably a watch. But the doctor never comes back in. So she goes out to the living room and checks on the doctor. He's in front of a TV and he's not moving and he falls over and he's got a knife in his back. The phone rings. She answers it and she hears, did you get it? What? Did you get it? Is he dead? How'd it go? I, uh. Say, who is this? And she slams the phone down. And she doesn't know what's going on. Somebody obviously killed the doctor. And whoever was calling was calling to make sure it had been done. The doctor kind of lunges at her and goes, Nichols, and passes out. Or, well, I don't guess he passes out. He probably died. Anyway, she picks up the phone. She calls the emergency. They ask, uh, you know, where are you? And she's like, I don't know. I don't remember. She tells her the doctor's name. And she looks at the uh, curtains and she sees a pair of shoes stud, uh, sticking out from under the curtain. And she freaks out before she even finishes the emergency call. She jumps out the window and walks away. You see a guy smoking a cigarette staring at her outside of a bar. She goes into the bar and she wants to know, uh, can she use the, the phone? And guy starts hitting on her. She goes and tries to use the phone. And the guy keeps hitting on her. He's starting to get pretty aggressive. Sorry, I'm getting old, so i got to take my glasses off. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I actually have to take my glasses off to even read a comic anymore. I, 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 can't, I can't read a comic with my glasses. <laughs> unless, unless it's like if, I'm, if I put my hands at full extension, I can. Yeah. But if it's closer to my face, I have to take, you know, take my glasses off. That's my favorite thing with digital comics. In general, I prefer the real ones, but I do like the digital because it makes the picture you can big zoom enough. In. Yeah, you can, yeah, I can just leave them on. But anyway, so she asks for a dime. A trucker tosses her one and says, You want a dime, sweet buns? Here you go, but you got to earn it. And she's like repulsed because the guy's disgusting. And he says, When you're ready to pay that back, my name is Jukes, Freddie Jukes. I'm going to be waiting. So she goes to use the phone tells the operator that she's in danger and that she's at Old Bridge Grill. She goes into the women's restroom, which it's spelled W-I-M-M-E-N on the door. It looks handwritten. She's looking in the mirror. Who are you? She goes to use the bathroom. She locks herself in, and Freddie Jukes is outside. Um, she uh, is attacked by him. He holds a knife to her. She does a judo throw and kicks him across the bathroom. He throws her into a sink. She kicks him into the stall, and then she does the thing that was in the Picto story earlier, where she's hanging off the top of the stall, wraps her legs around his throat, and smashes his face into the toilet and flushes it. 
that wasn't all in the pictograph, but the original thing where uh, she was holding him uh, around the neck with her legs was. So, is this kind of like a mature reader labeled? or I don't know. This is so... It, it obviously would have been, but this is so early on in the indie game that I don't know that it does have anything on it age-wise. Let's see. It just says PC for the new era in comics. But yeah, it's definitely mature. Um that you don't have straight nudity. I have actually read the first two issues. So anything like nipples are going to be covered uh, when she's in the bathtub. They do it as tasteful as you can where someone's nude where you don't actually see anything. But Sometimes yeah. that's even more sexy, in my well, opinion. Sure. and But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think this was for kids, but it's not marked as such that I can tell either. Um, so the police come into the bathroom. They say, come with me. She freaks out, jumps out the window. Uh, the guy on a motorcycle starts chasing her and uh, crashes and actually explodes. And she, as she walks away from the explosion, she's like, there's something stuck in my belt. What is this? And it's a key. And all of a sudden, a truck pulls up and says, would you like a ride, miss? And she says, thank you. I'm going to Fairville. Is that OK with you? Yeah, sure. Fine. So she gets in the truck. She's looking at the key and he asks her name and she says, uh, my name, Somerset's my name, Somerset Holmes. And the reason she comes up with Somerset is she is driving past a sign. It says Somerset, S-U-M-M-E-R-S-E-T, Holmes, H-O-M-E-S, better living for a brighter future. And that is how she got her name. And so, yeah, let's see. It says 1983 bi-monthly from Pacific Comics. And, yeah, it does not say anything about what age would be appropriate. Um, at this point, there's a house ad. They're publishing Alien Worlds, Elric, Bernie Wrightson, Master of the Macabre, Captain Victory, and Vanguard. So I think they were definitely doing things that were more mature, but it isn't necessarily marked as so. But, yeah. I have Alien Worlds, almost a full run of that. And I have a couple of vanguards because uh, I think Dave Stevens did some of the covers. I think he did. I think the yeah. only other thing I have is Captain Victory. I have that set. But uh, I don't think I have any Captain Victory. Yeah, I picked it any up good? a few years ago. It's Kirby. Uh, so if you oh, like wow. that kind of kind of wild uh, Kirby esque stuff, I think yeah, I, definitely pick it out. Um, Dynamite did it a few years ago. Did you check those out? The, I did. The, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I really actually thought that was pretty good stuff, what Dynamite did with it. Um, maybe it was Kurt Busiek that was writing? Oh, no, I, I did have Captain Victory. You yeah. said Jack Kirby, and I had to look it up. It's, yeah. It was Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I do have that. So I've read the I first I think I have almost everything too. he's ever done. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, with the exception of, like, early FF and right. early Avengers, but... You have it in some form. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, and you have access to that stuff. You know, even if you didn't actually own it, you you know. Uh, that's Either the nice thing about all those early ones. Yeah. Well, he did some really early stuff. I mean, what I'd like to to read eventually, I know there was a friend of mine that got a good hardcover of it, is the Golden Age Captain America. Oh, sure. Yeah, I would yeah, like he... to... He did a lot that. of work before Fantastic Four number one. Oh yeah, I did get his Fighting American Archie stuff. You know that from the forties. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I have the when they uh, was it Marvel put out one edition of that. I picked that mm-hmm. one up. Yeah, yeah. Because they, I don't know how they got the rights for it. I think I feel like DC was doing something with it, and then Marvel said, "Well, we're going to put it out too, or something." So as a collected edition, yeah. Yeah, it's like one of the. I remember uh, Liefeld talked about that. He did. That's that's yeah. how I learned about it. And that's how I learned about it too, and yeah, that's that, how I bought my copy. Exactly. Same thing. <laughs> yep, I bought mine used uh, much later after the fact, but he was talking about reading it on a plane, and that's how I picked up a copy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I I enjoyed it. The uh, Somerset Home. So hopefully it stays good. Uh, six issues. So I'll I'll have that one knocked out pretty quick. How much did you pay for that full run? Uh, for it and the Baker Street ended up being almost $45, which is more than I wanted to It's not to bad, spend. though. Yeah. It's not totally bad. No, you considering said, it was like six bucks an issue, it's it's it, not bad. I just wish it, yeah. it, somebody ran the price up. You know how the, the, the one, the, Well, the one thing that you'll notice is um, those, those books, like, <laughs> I was looking for, like, things that you think would be cheap as hell. Like, right. I thought Team America was going to be like dirt cheap and it wasn't, you know, like for a full run. And I mean, it it wasn't horribly expensive, but it was way more than I wanted to pay. And uh, the same thing with I I was like, God, you know what? I want to read this NFL Super Pro. Like, I just really want to read it. It's one of those licensed properties we'll never see again. It won't be reprinted. You know, we're just talking about that. Let me get a copy of this and they're not cheap either you know they're they used to be like 50 cent bin you know fodder and now you know it used to go you used to be able to go to ebay and get things cheap and i wonder if it's because of a lot of things i wonder if it's because ebay ebay asks for more mm-hmm. you know like they pull more off the top you get tax now remember do you remember the good old days where there weren't taxes yep so yeah there's just a lot more overhead with the whole process and that's a lot of what it'll boil down to like whether i order something off ebay a lot of times i'll go on to my comic shop and look and i'll be like robotech defenders is four dollars an issue Ugh, i'm gonna look at ebay and then once you figure in shipping you're like oh crap i'm better off just buying the two issues from my comic shop anyway you 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 do you do the same thing i do i usually go my comic shop and then they don't like my comic shop will be missing like three issues yeah. or something. And I'm like, I wonder what it would cost me to go on eBay and just get all of it, you know? Right. Yeah. So like, I, yeah, I do that. And I usually do it with those sites. And then sometimes I, I crawl into Atomic Avenue, but it's very rare. Yeah. I, I have found that shipping is usually the deal breaker on eBay. So it has to be a big size run. And because doing single issues or a couple issues, it's usually not a good deal. So, but yeah, I, uh, I, I was, it was one of those, I am okay with what I spent, but I, I, I was winning right up until the end at right around 20 bucks. And of course it started going up, 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 up. I'm like, dang it. I really want to get these. So, well, as someone that tried to acquire a full run of Baker street, I think you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went the, my comic shop route. Yeah. Well, uh, it was expensive. It's one of those that I've been meaning to read for years and I just hadn't gotten around to doing it. All right, Chris, you want to go? Sure. Let's see here. 
uh, one of these days uh, I'll be more professional and actually have my comic pulled up before it's my turn. <laughs> uh, we're not professional. <laughs> no. yeah. um, what was I going to talk about? All right. Um, let's find it here. Let's back to being uh, doing my posts what I've currently read then um, in the Marvel Unlimited app it'll just be the most recent thing I read because I have to go back and you know I, I do a snapshot of the covers anyway not even sure if that made sense but moving on we'll talk about alright good um, we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 41 this is the first appearance of the Rhino I know, really I know that. Be- I know that because I just bought it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. This uh, this is Stanley, of course, and we're in the John Romita era era now. Uh, surprisingly, Irving Forbush didn't do anything on this issue. Um, he's all over the place right now in this time Marvel period. Um, but he didn't, um, you know, sharpen pencils or anything like that. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we've had, uh, we open with an interaction between, um, Aunt May and, um, Mary Jane Watson's aunt, so meeting of the aunts, um, and, um, you know, we've only at this point we still only have had a cameo of Mary Jane, but she's going to be making her full appearance pretty soon in the book. Um, but they've been teasing her for for a long time um, to to finally show up. But uh, it's just a few panels. Um, Mary Jane's aunt Anna May. She's um, she's suggesting that Aunt May. Um, Maybe they should, the two of them should live together rather than Aunt May. You know, uh, Peter's um, almost 20 years old at this point. So, um, but, you know, Aunt May, she's the type that just, um, she's still convinced that Peter's super frail and f- fragile and she's got to look after his diet and make sure he's wearing warm clothes and all that stuff. So she's, fretting over him as usual uh meanwhile peter's um at a shop looking at buying a motorcycle (laughs) um and uh he calls up uh he needs a credit reference so he calls up j jonah jameson um and uh that's that's funny in itself yeah (laughs) um you know and and jameson has a typical um, attitude at first he's tells him to look up Santa Claus but then he stops himself because he realize, realizes that'll put um, you know having Parker in his debt as a would be an advantageous thing for him um, so he goes ahead and, and gives his approval um, and that kind of serves as the scene transition because uh, Jameson's son is there um and you know jameson's son is a lot more uh even tempered um than 
his father, which I thought was kind of interesting. There's one panel in particular where, um, you know, I just thought about in this political climate that we have now where um, some younger people are having to kind of talk their uh, older relatives off the ledge when it comes to conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I, I thought this actually sounds kind of modern in the way that uh, Jameson's son is um, trying to to get his father to be a little more rational about uh, Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, talking about how back in the first issue, how Spider-Man um, saved saved him and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, of course, he makes no progress um, on uh, getting his father to be more reasonable and stuff. But, um, but uh, it, it's an interesting uh, little plot development in there. Um, but uh, they move on in their conversation to talk about how uh, on his last, his son's last um, space mission, um, there was, he came in contact with these strange space spores and he had to um, be subjected to a whole bunch of tests and stuff like that. And even now that he's been released into the public, um, there's uh, federal agents outside the door of Jameson's office that are trailing his son, John, um, make sure something strange doesn't result, even though the tests came back negative and stuff that they did. So uh, bottom page five, we finally get our uh, glimpse of the new supervillain, um, you know, and Rhino does is doing what Rhino does, you know, he's kind of like the juggernaut um just puts his uh long nose down long tusk down and uh runs and there's not much that can stop him um he's uh out in near the uh i guess mexican border um and uh border agents i guess these uniformed uh, officers they try shooting him the bullets are just bouncing off his chest and he bowls them over and goes um, smashing right through a concrete building um and uh back to new york city uh peter not knowing what's uh coming for him um he runs into um betty brant uh again for the first time in a long time you know they had their kind of sort of brief romance um, and uh, also kind of a little bit of a love triangle with um, Ned Leeds and um, they haven't seen each other in a while. Um, she had gone out of town and um, they run into each other and it's, um, you know, kind of one of those experiences where um they get along cordially and everything like that but uh they've they go for a cup of coffee and find that they don't have really all that much to talk about um and it's kind of uncomfortable and peter's kind of realizing you know anything that was there any sort of spark is gone now and uh as opposed to um how he once might have felt about ned Leeds appearing um when ned does uh he's actually kind of relieved um 
and uh, gives Peter a chance to get out of there. Um, and uh, that's when he sees a news report about the rhino, um, who seems to just be bowling along um, up the country, uh, seems to be heading for New York. Um, and uh, we get some of our, our, our threads tied together here where um, Peter then runs into Jameson and his son uh, on the street um, and, um, you know, finds out about uh, everything that's, well, he doesn't find out about too much, but he just realizes something's going on um, because of the federal agents kind of keep Peter from getting too close to the car and stuff like that. But, um, so um, Peter goes home, we see that Aunt May doesn't bring up or address it's uh, kind of one of the, they have a situation going on right now where both of them are, are thinking one thing and saying the other out of what they think is uh, care for the other. Peter's thinking, you know, it might be time for him to have his own place, but he doesn't want to leave Aunt May alone. And Aunt May is thinking, um, you know, uh, doesn't mention what Miss uh, Mrs. Watson said. Um, so they both kind of thinking the same thing, saying the opposite. Um, but when um, a radio bulletin comes across about the um, rhino being seen on the west side, it's time for Spider-Man to go into action. And uh, what remaining loose uh, threads remain at this point are all brought together as we find that the reason that the rhino is headed towards New York City is that he is after John Jameson. Um, he comes busting through, past the guards, smashes the door, um, and um, Spider-Man is too late by the time he gets there. Um, Jameson is complaining to the federal agents, and uh, Spider-Man has to um, catch up with Rhino um, on the streets with John slung over his shoulder. Um, so that's where we get um, the expected uh, fisticuffs. Um, Spider-Man, as he had to do a lot in these early days, um, has to kind of figure out what's the deal with this new um, villain personifying an animal. Um, he uh, he learns real quick not to punch the rhino's armor um, or he's going to bust all the bones in his hand, probably. Um, and uh, has to play a bit of uh, keep away um, as this, uh, you know, and make sure that he doesn't get uh, bowled over by by the rhino. Um, you know, so he, he, he kind of figures that out at the the fight lasts quite a few pages, um, and um, you know, he, he eventually um, starts using his webbing after about six or seven pages. The fight lasts. Uh, he uses his webbing to kind of slow the rhino down, um, get him um, running into things and, and tripping him, um, just 
he uh, what I think what really does him in is that uh, he trips him and then kind of kicks kicks him in the back of the head and drives his uh, skull into the ground. Um, and um, the rhino. Uh, yeah, it's almost like, a, like he uses his leg to curb stomp him or something. Yeah. Yeah. It looks kind of brutal. Um, yeah, it does. But at that point, you know, um, probably what was necessary. Uh, rhino gets up like a uh, professional wrestler. One, one last attempt to stand up and boom, he hits the ground. Um, so um, being that J. Jonah is on the scene, naturally, uh, he wants uh, Spider-Man arrested as well. Um, and um, John um, has recovered from his ordeal. And, uh, you know, once again, um, you know, very much the, the, the son here, um, you know, trying to get his father to calm down. Take it easy. Think of your blood pressure. Um, you know, but Jameson's, um, not hearing, um, what he's saying there. And, um, we wrap up with, um, you know, some further developments in, in young Parker's love life. Um, we finally get to see him, uh, pick up and ride his, uh, motorcycle and he looks pretty thrilled about it. Um, he's happy to show it off, um, to some of his friends, uh, and, uh, including Gwen Stacy. Um, and, uh, you know, um, he's, uh, he's noticing Gwen in a way that he's never noticed before. Uh, he said, he thinks, was I ever so wrapped up in Betty that I couldn't see this living pinup under my nose? <laughs> um, and, um, he's playing it real cool, um, in front of Gwen and um what do we got harry osborne and uh flash thompson there as well um so yeah he pulls up to his home on his uh motorcycle and aunt may's worrying about his sinuses um riding around <laughs> in the open like that um but uh yeah, but aunt try, aunt may tries to play it cool she so uh she says about the motorcycle it's a real pussy willow <laughs> and uh <laughs> And, What's uh, that even mean? <laughs> yeah. She she tries and uh, apparently right. uh um Anna Watson seems to be a little more hip to the lingo. She corrects her and tells her that she probably means pussy cat and uh so Peter tells Aunt May she's a real pussy willow. Um <laughs> so there's this fun little cute little interaction there between the three of them and um yeah, we get teased uh Mary Jane, we're finally going to get to meet uh, Mary Jane, um, just as just as Peter is getting interested in Gwen. So, uh, very, very, very good issue, entertaining. Now, I have the black and white in front of me, so I have a couple of questions, especially since you've been doing a read-through. So you've been reading, I'm assuming this is like, uh, you've read everything consecutive, right? Yeah, yeah, over many years at this point. So, but so, is it me, or is there is Ramita kind of leaning into Ditko's interpretation of 
the comic strip at this point because just looking at it, maybe not Peter so much, but a lot of the faces to me and look very Ditko esque still. Like they don't look like the Ramita I think of. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, yeah, I, I think um, maybe he was, you know, trying. You know, he he hasn't been on the book very long at this point, so right. he's. Uh, there was definitely a noticeable change when he came on the book, but I, I do think that he hasn't really. Peter, I think, may already be a little bit more of like a of a handsome fellow. Yeah, he's uh, very dreamboaty already. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, but his style hasn't really changed very much. His haircut and that sort right. of thing. Um, so I, I don't think he's done much to sort of change the actual style of the characters. But um, but yeah, um, you know, Ditko kind of held on to that Peter um, as the sort of nerdy outsider. Um, right. That. Uh, kind of changes a bit almost immediately but yeah it's not it's not ex, it's not extremely drastic the only other thing i thought was funny um well there was a couple of things there was one thing where uh, they when the cop yells when the the rhino's busting out of a train car he goes that's no bindle stiff i'm like what is a bindle stiff it's one of those, I'm sure, 60s words that's just gone or whatever. Yeah, but, um, you definitely do run across those. But I, I love the Rhino's outfit. It um, Once again, it's like, I feel like it's not what it becomes. It has a very max from where the wild things are vibe, at least in black and white to me. Oh, wow, yeah. Like where it doesn't look like it quite fits right, where it's almost like a a funny set of pjs but like i said maybe that's because i'm looking at it in black and white instead of in color but it's yeah very no i i think that i i didn't think of that max comparison but that's a great comparison um yeah he's it's funny because it's interesting what catches on and what doesn't you know he honestly is is ridiculous you know (laughs) he looks it but i think that I think that maybe I don't know. I maybe it's because there are villains that just it's they just visual, don't take off. Visual, you know? I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just as as silly as it is. It's also kind of cool, you know. And there's something. We've got armadillo and porcupine and. <laughs> right. Yeah. Armadillo, who makes an appearance in the movie. That's <laughs> true. I think there's something yeah. about that unstoppable force too, you know. Um, it's like a juggernaut. The same as Juggernaut, which is yeah. right around the same time as this. Um, so, um, well, know. I think it's a mixture of design, uh, the the thought put into the characters, like interpretation. I mean, you got Stan writing it, and that's why he's still around. But we don't talk about the Mandrel, you know. It, 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 there's something about it that like clicks. In, yeah. Isn't the Mandrel got the powers to like influence? Oh, like uh um, I can't remember. He gives he gives off the pheromones that yes. let him yeah, it's kinda yeah. like purple man, but not to the extreme. Or like the basilisk, you know, there's another like animal character that just never really I mean, there's a handful of appearances, most of them are goofy, you know. Uh-huh. And and that but yeah, there's something about the simplicity of the design, the way the eyes are done, so it almost does make him look like he has a hard time seeing and so he's always looking down i don't know it's it's goofy but it's like perfect yeah i I like it a lot 
Yeah, I like his design. A lot of the designs for Spider-Man villains are, are pretty great. Yeah. He's got a good rogues gallery coming out the gate. Oh, yeah. One of the best, really. I, I, yeah. Just just flipping through that, that's that's such a, a good issue. I love Peter on the bike. He looks like a little kid. He's so excited. It's very very cool issue. Yeah, and I like the kind of old-style motorcycle, you know? Yeah. Looks almost more like a scooter, kind of. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, my book is, is something I didn't even know existed until Thursday. Nice. Um, no, Friday. I went to the comic shop on Friday because uh, I took the day off and uh, went to go get my, my books. And I found this, and I was like, what the hell is this? And it's called Max 2000. It's just a one-shot. I didn't know it at the time. It was by somebody I've never even heard of, Ruffner. What is his full name? Sean Ruffner and R. Smythe. But I did recognize the artist, who's Kevin Lau. I, I used to get a Harris book called Vampirella Anarchy, I think it is, or something like that. And he's a very anime manga style artist. And uh, I, I thumbed through this and I was like, this looks pretty cool. Like, it, um, back in the day, I used to not like this anime, you know, this type of art style, but it has grown on me over the last couple of years. But um, this is, this happens, there's a little footnote. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, but it, it takes place in like Uncanny X-Men or CX. It says CX-Men 345. I, I think because of the number, it's Uncanny X-Men 345. And uh, this starts off with Bishop and Deathbird trapped on a spaceship trying to find their way, way home. And Deathbird is telling Bishop of these bad dreams she's having because her sister uh, is the leader of the Shar. And uh, I can never remember her name. Like I don't know why I can't. Lalandra. Uh, Lalandra. Yeah, Lalandra is her sister, and she keeps having these dreams with uh, her because she's the enemies of Lalandra. They're kind of like they. Lalandra and Deathbird remind me of Starfire and Blackfire. Sure. Yeah, you know, on the DC correlation. Um, she keeps having these dreams of where she slaughtered all these, like, alien rats and then came back and ate a dead bird. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but <laughs> she's telling Bishop about this. And they're playing chess, and she can't figure out these, like, this, this game of chess because she's like, these pawns can only happen diagonal? Well, they're the soldiers. They should be badass. And why does why do they need to protect the king? Because the... If he's a good king, he should be able to protect himself. You know, she's so she's trying to figure out this game of chess, and Bishop's explaining to her all this. And then she said, yeah, this is all fun and all, but maybe we should go do something else. And she's like, what she's getting at is like, let's go have some sex. Uh, but for some reason, Bishop's not having any of that. I don't know if he doesn't want to have sex with her or what, but she's pretty hot. You know, he, he, hel he starts the hailing of of the alarm trying to find somebody in space that can rescue them. And they run into freebooters who attack their ship. And they're like, holy crap, 
these guys came out of nowhere and they're firing on our ship and they have to use a gate to try to a space gate to try to get away well when they get away they end up like in a planet of the apes future uh with mutants where the shire took over earth and they use the earth people are sort of enslaved and it's led by the uh, daughter of Lalandra, who's Alana, and her mother's dead, and she seems to have uh, her lover as Angel. And they, they show glimpses like the, the vulture, the vulture's working for her. She has Dazzler like singing, and um, she's treating the Earth people as, as slaves, and they're, they're starving and not being treated very well. Well, Bishop realizes what's going. She she realizes that she needs to get Deathbird on board with her agenda. So while Bishop's trying to figure stuff out, Deathbird goes underneath and is brought back up by the daughter of Lalandra. And she says, I'm queen here, and you'll be treated like a queen as well, and you'll be running this part of Earth for us. And uh, Bishop gets thrown in prison by her guards, uh, and he gets put in a, a cell next to Juggernaut. Well, Juggernaut looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Like he, they must have taken away the what is that crystal of Syrac or whatever, and he just looks really flimsy and uh, very thin and malnourished. And he's in prison there, and. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Deathbird is getting bathed, and she's like, well, this is how to get treated. You know, she's getting a nice bath, and she invites, she frees Bishop because she knows he, you know, that's her partner. And now she has some kind of power, and she's like, come and, come join me in this hot tub. And he does, and she's like scrubbing him down and everything. And they're they're trying to figure out what's what's really happening on this world. And then you have these things called the Morlocks. Well, the Morlocks... In this in this futuristic setting, are Cable, Falcon, uh, Vertigo, who is really Jubilee. It even says Jubilee. I don't think I've ever seen Jubilee called Vertigo before, and Longshot, and uh, they're sort of like the rebel, you know, the rebellion against um, Alana, and they're working underground to try to take her out. And, and fight this suppression that she has of the the earth people uh they kill sauron is sort of working for um alana as well and uh they attack sauron and he he pretty much takes most of them down he kills falcon he gets long shot imprisoned and uh vertigo jubilee barely gets away uh, Cable gets away. And then you see a futuristic version of Wolverine who looks like he had his eye scratched out, still smoking a cigarette, and he's telling Jubilee how she screwed up and um, because their mission went awry because she broke um, whatever their agenda was supposed to be. And then you see a futuristic uh, Doom, Dr. Doom. He's working with these mutants as well. And uh, they're trying to take down Alana. So it's sort of like a rebellion against her. And then she convinces Deathbird to go work for her. But then she says the wrong things. And that sets off Deathbird. Uh, 
really because she calls her the wrong name she calls her um by her her name from the house of nirmani and that just like sets deathbird off like she doesn't want anything to do with that and she turns on alana as well uh so the rebellion goes on they take down bishop takes down sauron and then angel snaps sort of out of his thing and he's like wow you know they're hurting my brothers i'm going to join the rebellion as well so now it's everybody against alana and they do take her out uh bishop and uh deathbird have a romantic kiss at the end and then uh they take off on a ship and they they know this is an alternate world and they they take out through the portal that they came from and try to get back to their real world but they're sort of just shot back into space and uh it makes you want to read those uncanny x-men to see when they they reunite and i'm very curious about the relationship between deathbird and, and bishop for sure but this is really artistically to my liking i like it a lot uh the way that that it's drawn really cool issue came out of nowhere it's 350 on cover price it was like 64 pages from February of 1999 and uh, a lot of the names I don't recognize even the editors and at this time I, I don't recognize the colorists but I do recognize Bob Harris as the editor-in-chief so there you go yeah that's that's interesting I mean the only team X I remember was like what was that like Maverick and Wildstorm Sabretooth yeah. and or were they team X too yeah team X was a uh, uh, like it was during that hammer run where it was like he was doing the background of uh logan it was like Sabretooth and maverick and 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 logan and i maybe somebody else yeah because yeah. uh, when i was looking it up uh just now I, the only other time team x popped up on my comic shop was a crossover they did with um team seven which is the Wildstorm one yeah, 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 yeah. That's who I was thinking you were yeah. talking about, Team Seven. Yeah. So, uh, and then I remembered, yeah, the Hama stuff. That was a big thing. His backstory before, you know, Weapon X was Team X. So, yeah. I see a lot of Lalandra. Like she shows up in the Marauders and stuff. Yeah. Steve Orlando series, and I, I, I've been reading a lot of her, which she, she always fascinates me. And the Shire is always a pretty interesting. Uh, alien race to uh, get back into, but I'm no expert for sure. I mean, um, you said Falcon, and I'm interested. Like, I, I want to check it out now because uh, I, I always, always like. Yeah, they didn't really use like at one time they said Falcon was sort of like a mutant, mm-hmm. you know, with Red Wing and stuff like that. Right. But um, they didn't really play upon that because some of the the team that they assembled were were not mutants. So. Right. They just were working together to fight her because she kept them suppressed. She was starving them. I mean, there were kids dying. I mean, it was pretty. She was leading with her iron boot, and it was. Uh, she was like a Nazi, you know. Yeah. Cool. She I killed like... her mother too. You find out that she killed Lalandra. What was the? Uh, what was the two sisters in? Um... You said your your example of Starfire and Blackfire is probably a better example. 
the first thing I thought of, what was the two sisters in a Mega Man? Because they were kind of like the two extremes as well. One was almost like a lizard, and then the other one, I can't remember. I just read the first couple of appearances of uh, Mega Man in um, Green Lantern recently. Ah, uh. But I can't remember the name. I names. can't remember them either. Yeah, there was there was one in the lizard sister ends up getting killed pretty early on. I want to say in the Mega Man in run. Green Lantern or in the Mega Man run. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I hadn't thought of the Mega Man in years until I ran across those at the comic book store the other day. And but yeah, there was like the two sisters and all the different characters, and it was like the first I think three appearances of the Mega Man. Uh, we're in was in uh, the Green Lantern series with Hal. But mm-hmm. Anyway, that sounds like a cool book. It's always I always think it's fun when you you find stuff because the that late '90s kind of like Chris was saying earlier. That's I I missed out on a lot of that stuff because I was in college. So unless it was a really big release like Marvels or Golden Age, I I missed a lot of that stuff. Yeah, 1999. I. God dang, I was already working professionally, and um, I wasn't crazy in the comics. Like, I was into comics, but I was in more of a sane realm of comics. <laughs> what I, what I, what I mean is, I had a pull list. Right, you weren't buying it was, everything Marvel. I was buying, yeah, I was buying like twenty titles, yeah. maybe fifteen titles. I was buying a regular person's probably pull list. Yeah, it didn't start until like. The podcasting era where i felt like i had to have everything yeah. but uh yeah so I, I missed out on a lot and i didn't pay attention like even though i would always get previews and wizard and re- regardless like i would i would always be in the know there's still stuff i find that i don't remember yeah. or i didn't give you know two looks to in the the marvel previews at the time well, I missed out on like so much of that like image stuff was coming out like Warlands and Battle Chasers and I think I started dipping my toe back in with single issues cuz Essentials is is where I started to pick up again. When the Essentials came out, I started to pick those up and like I said the really big series that would get big news like uh uh Marvel versus DC, I would pick that up. But yeah. um when I started dipping my toe really into single issues again was when the toy craze hit, when um, like He-Man started coming out monthly and G.I. Joe was coming out again monthly. And that was like my first subscription since the 80s was when the G.I. Joe relaunched from Devil's Due. That may have even been in the 2000s, actually, yeah. come to think of it. But that's where I started to slowly get back into getting monthly comics again. I missed CrossGen, all that stuff. I didn't miss CrossGen. I stuck that, and I stuck with Valiant. So I never, I never. Those were part of my subscriptions. Like I never lost that. Man, I keep hoping they're gonna st- put those back out in some kind of like omnibus or trade or epic collections. They keep teasing well, they did, it. They, they did put out a sigil omnibus. It hasn't come out yet. But oh, okay. Oh, man, I, I found that one to be that. an odd one because mm-hmm. I thought of all the launch books that CrossGen had. Right. I I personally thought Sig- Sigil was the weakest mm. of the the bunch. If it, I wonder if maybe that was the one 
because if they owe like residuals or something that was going to be an easier easier one to publish or something it it could be uh even when they brought it back when marvel tapped their toe into it they yeah. they chose Roos and and Sigil yeah and and Sigil wasn't anything like the original it was totally revamped i would love and, to uh, see a Roos uh, omnibus Roos uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was the one I think I first tried out because I, I don't know if you remember it, but they had those like manga sized trades cross gen did. That was the first yeah. cross gen I ever read was a ruse that was a uh, one of those little manga sized ones. I've been tempted to get those the because they were they would do the manga, they would like group four or five titles in yeah. one of the. It's like if they had Forge and something else and. I never got the trades. I just got the singles. So I was like at that time, but I would have. It's one of those things that it's one of the dead universes that I'd like to, you know, go back and get some of those if I could. Well, I think it's fascinating. They were so far ahead of the game on some stuff because weren't they? They were dipping their digital. toe into digital way digital. before yeah, anybody they, was. They I were. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, reading. Uh, I read a lot of cross gen. I remember. The stuff that I didn't get in print, I remember reading a lot of that. That was some of the first digital comics I read. Yeah, I really liked Meridian. That was that was really good. I like the Kung and Fu Mi- one. Mystic. Um, yeah, the Kung Fu one. Way of the I Monkey, I think. That... Is that right? Yeah, Way of the Rat. Way of the Rat. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. There was Route Six Six Six. Oh, I there was loved the pirate that one. one. Which one of you chuckleheads yeah. did I give that to? Was that you or Rob? No, it was Rob. Yeah. I already had it. Yeah. I, I did. I had all of it except for like the tail end. Like, oh, it a, just cut the, off. It never had it an ending. It just cut off. Yeah. yeah. So I, I went back and I, I think it was the t- around the same time that you had given those to Rob yeah. that, I, I, I said I'm gonna get these last three issues because I didn't have. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun series. It's too bad it, you didn't get an ending for it. They had the first with mm-hmm. Bob Sear. I, I mean, they had some good titles. I like the one that Greg Land started on. Um, oh, Meridian? Um, no, it was the so- Sovereign. Sojourn. Sojourn. Sojourn, yeah, yeah. I like that yeah. one. That was a good one. Yeah. I don't know. They did some good titles. It was fun. I even liked Mystic. I know that wasn't anybody's yeah, favorite. Mystic, but I liked I it. I liked Mystic a lot. Yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah. That was the magic one. Yep. I think that I was the first one that. I found because I found it, a bunch of them for like uh, 10 cents. God, I wish I could find a 10 cent bin again. Uh, the Path. They had the Path. Path was good. Uh, Bra- was it Brath? Brath, yep. Uh, was that, um? oh God, the guy who did JLA Europe. Or JL Europe, not JLA Europe. Uh, what's his name? Sears. Yeah, Bart Sears, yep. And I like it because yeah, he, it he, doesn't he the look first like Bart. Too. It doesn't look like Bart. Well, it was, it was Bart, Bart and Andy. Oh, okay. Andy did both. They come from the same school. They actually yeah. work together on Omnibus Press or whatever they call it. I like now. I like the way he looked because sometimes I think the Bart Sears faces aren't the the most fun to look at, but the what he did for CrossGen was like toned down compared to what, and maybe it's the inking or something, but I really liked the, his artwork at CrossGen. I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, why don't you tell us what your next one is? Yes, sir. Um, we're doing Batman. I, uh, still working on the read through. We got through war games last week. 
And we're hitting Judd Winnick. So I was looking through the, the Red Hood uh, ones that I had just read, and I thought, what would be the most fun to talk about and that stands alone on its own the best? Because, you know, this is at the point where most of these are, like, trade stories. But I thought this the Amazo issue would be a fun one to talk about on its own because you, you'll get some of the stuff that's in the trade, but you also get a fun little adventure as well. So this is a number 637 from August of 2005. I'm going to take the spectacles off so I can actually see this. So this one's Amazo Attacks. Opens up with Black Mask, and he's talking to Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze has been hired to be the gun and a uh, muscle for Black Mask. I thought that was a fun choice because you don't always think of Mr. Freeze as being someone who's brutal and a man for hire, but it kind of works here. So basically, Freeze is kind of giving Mask the deal. He's like, I'm not just going to do anything you say. I'm my own guy. And uh, he shows Black Mask that, you know, you can't push him around because the first thing he does is shoots uh, one of Black Mask's goons full in the face. And you have this nice moment where just deadpan Black Mask is looking as his goon kind of crumples in front of him. And he says, I get it. You're unpredictable. I can work with that. So they've got a big shipment coming in. He's asking Mr. Freeze to go take care of it. And right when uh, he's asking him this, his man on the spot kind of leans to him. He says, uh, I was just going to tell you, we kind of have a problem on the arrival. And he's like, dang it, that's some uh, cargo I don't want to go missing. And Mr. Freeze is like, okay, what's the problem? So the previous issue, Nightwing and Bruce were there, and they open up the box, and to their dismay, it's an Amazo. So, you know, Amazo is the the character who can possess all the powers of the Justice League. Luckily, this is an Amazo who has the powers of an early version of the Justice League, because Bruce, I don't remember, if it, I don't think it was this issue, uh, he points out that we're lucky because this version doesn't have Wonder Woman's lasso or Green Lantern's ring or Plastic Man's uh, stretchiness. So he's like, what are you going to do against me? You're going to have to do better than that. And uh, Bruce goes like, I just did. He throws, a, he had put a battering in his leg. It explodes. And so now it's kind of just down to like a stump of a leg attached to a robotic leg. And uh, Nightwing's like, is that going to help? And he's like, sure it will, because now he's going to have a hard time running as fast as Flash would. And, okay, so this is where he says, it. yeah, it's an older model or maybe just a prototype. There's no signs of Plastic Man. It's also stripped down. There's no Golden Lasso or Green Lantern ring. We got lucky here. And Nightwing's like, yeah, I feel lucky. Nightwing, at this point, has kind of got a bum wheel. He got hurt in War Games. I can't remember how. I didn't read the complete thing. I just read the Batman issues. But um, anyway, Nightwing's not at 100% right now. He's in a knee brace. And Oracle is kind of out of the picture right now as well. Um, so lots of fighting. Amazo captures Nightwing and is flying across the city. And he's like, just remember, he's going to have weaknesses. And he's like, okay, let me try this. So he jabs two... Uh, Basically, I don't know what these are. In one picture, they almost look like knives, but then they show them again, they look like sticks. But he puts a uh, Nightwing, uh, puts two things in his ear, bursts his eardrums, and he's like, well, I don't think they got 
deep enough to destroy his brain pan, but hopefully it like touched it at least. Amazo is still crushing things. Uh, he shoots Nightwing towards Nightwing with his heat vision, and that gives Bruce an idea. So he grabs a couple of uh, putty and he slaps one on each eye. He's like, "Obstructing my vision with putty will hardly impede my blast, Batman." But you know, Bruce is the Batman. He's smart, so he knows that he's going to use his heat vision again. And he says, no, but firing heat through plastic explodes as well. So the next time he tries to use the heat vision, uh, both his eyes explode. So now he's got a bum leg. He's got two holes in his head from uh, being stabbed in the ears. And now he's got no eyes. So he's blind and kind of one-legged at this point. So slowly, peg by peg, uh, Nightwing and Bruce are taking him down. They call him the Batmobile. And he says, in this case... We weren't even trying to win. We were just biding our time and kill, until he could get the Batmobile here by remote. Every trick we pulled was a stall. We were just waiting for the car because most time it takes a machine to take down a machine. And so he, the Batmobile rams into Amazo full throttle. There's a big explosion and whoosh. He knocks him into the water and he says, do you think that actually took him out? And Bruce is like, if not, he's he'd be swimming to us at 80 knots of an hour under Aquaman's abilities. So I guess he's not coming up. Are we going to have to search every drop of water to be sure? Of course. Great. So they get in the Batmobile, and it's the Batmobile, apparently, that has a version to go down as a sub. So then turn the page. Nice little tribute to Will Eisner, the true spirit of comics. I must have passed away when this was out in 2005. Um, So we're back to Black Mask. He says, someone blew up my shipment. And Amazo was intact, but some bleep uh, uh, activated him. I always love when they do the curse words with the old symbols. I always think that's funny, and I, I do that sometimes when now myself to do something in a text or something. But it's uh, it's only four, so I don't know what it's some, some dick, maybe. I don't know. What would a four-letter cuss word that would work there? Some bleep F. activated him. Some fuck activated him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I always thought those were funny. Was it Beetle Bailey growing up as a kid always would have those in the sunny uh, Sunday papers? And I always thought it was hilarious that like Sunday paper and <laughs> Beetle Bailey's cussing up a storm. I guess I've never noticed that before. Yeah, it's, it's cursing. Was it Beetle Bailey or was it the sergeant? Uh, I was probably Sarge. But yeah, but okay. my point is in the strip, there would always be a ton yeah. of cursing. But I always thought that was funny. So the uh, his man on the scene says... Uh, I got a bad penny you need to speak to. And Black Mask is like, yeah, he's on the phone. And it's the Red Hood. Hello, do you prefer I, I call you Black Mask, Mr. Black Mask, or Blackie? And oh, that doesn't age well. Um, so Black Mask is talking to him. He's like, are you the one who's pestering me and gotten my shipment? He's like, yeah, I got some of it, but some of it walked away. And Black Mask is like, I heard you took your share of it. He's like, oh, yeah, I got the top shelf item. And, and he's like, son of a, which crate did you get? And I think Black Mask already knows which crate it's going to be. He says, I don't have the manifest number, but I can tell you the box is filled with over 100 pounds of kryptonite. And it ends with Black Mask going, yeah, I'm going to need that. And that's to be continued. So it was a fun little issue. A lot of fighting McFight, but it was a good fighting McFight. And like I say, you got enough of the plot that it continued that it felt like you got a little meat as well. So... Good did, did, you, did you uh get to uh titans on hbo max 
I haven't, no. Okay. Interesting take on the Red Hood. Oh, okay. Is yeah, it... very, very, very interesting. Um, and it's Jason? It is Jason. Okay. But uh, okay. the way he gets there is very different. Gotcha. Well, it it's similar. It's similar but different because it involves Scarecrow. But but uh, I I really like what they did. Like it's it's pretty uh, it's it's very different but really well thought out in my opinion. Were either one of you re- uh, reading Batman like oh four oh five in the Hush and Winnick era? Yeah, I read it. Okay, Batman. Batman is one that I never gave up on. Flat, you know. There, even when I was cutting back back mm-hmm. in the day, is never cut back on Batman or the Flash or most Superman. Because Wonder Woman. I have the benefit of binging this, even though I'm not binging. Binging, I'm reading one a day, ish. Um, my question is, it's telegraphed to me super clearly early on that they're going to bring Jason back. Like, did mm-hmm. was anybody at all? Like, was the comic community surprised? Were you surprised when Jason Todd was Red Hood? Was anybody? I was a little bit. Okay. I think yeah. there was some. I, yeah. Okay. There, there were hints that like this could be it, but okay. I didn't really buy into all of it. Well, surely by the why, time but... he's hitting Joker with a crowbar, everybody knows, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I've, I've like, if somebody hasn't gotten it by then, surely. But like I say, I have two things going. A, I know, so I'm looking for it. And B, um, I'm reading in them one after another in a relatively small time instead of over like two plus years. So I, I didn't know like how big of a shock it was that Jason was brought back. Um, I feel like, you know, everybody gets brought back now, so... I didn't, I don't, I was, you know, just wondering how people reacted. Yeah, with Lazarus Pits and, uh, what is it, Krakoa? And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you'll have an issue where somebody gets brought back now. Uh, like, yeah. it, what was it with X-Force? I mean, uh, the one guy gets killed, like, every issue. He's like, he's like Kenny on South Park. Um, yeah. So. I'm kind of hoping that something happens with that soon. Yeah. Because it, it kind of takes away at least a, a threat. Yeah. There's a different threat. Um, the threat is being resurrected and programmed differently. <laughs> sure. Because the, that's happening. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's the big danger is that you're not going to remember everything. Well, you're always going to have a blind spot. Uh, probably the most recent couple of days since the last download but if you have somebody like Sinister or somebody else doing something <laughs> in the background to your memories, it's it's messing you up. Yeah, I think that's why it's a good plot device because at this point there's there's really no there's very little dramatic impact of someone dying. There's not much yeah. consequence, you know. So it's like yeah. why don't why don't we just acknowledge that and find something else? That's more frightening, uh, more of a. It is more frightening now because the the X Men have like their council, mm-hmm. and they're the most powerful sort of mutants that are on the planet. And you don't know 
who to trust anymore. Do you like, think you? I think Xavier's jacked up. Like, do you think this was time. like Hickman commenting on corporate comics? The fact that nobody does stay dead. I well, I yeah, that he he stated that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's that was one of the driving forces. He's okay. like, well, if they don't stay dead, I why should I go by the rules? That's okay. what he was, you know, flat out saying. That makes sense then, because I mean, I I know. To me, I was I was I always say I was a crisis baby, but I was also a GI Joe baby. So those deaths, up until they started resurrecting stuff like Sepentor and whatnot, um, I mean, when they kill Quinn and Doctor Venom, that's one of those landmark comics for me because I'm like, you just spent like this, I don't know, four or five issues in a row with uh, Quinn and Snake Eyes and Doctor Venom. And then when they get killed off in that big fight, that was like a big deal. And then uh, Crisis, because, you know, Kara dies, Flash dies, uh, Dove dies. Dove is one of the ones that always sticks with me. For, everybody always talks about Flash and Kara, but I don't know. Something about the the fact that just one little panel, uh, Dove gets killed and that's it for the character. I was, that always really, I don't know, that one really sat with me. And, and, and yeah. Until you get into modern comics, I don't know that a death really hit me again until Ted, maybe, or um, what's the Walking Dead guy, Glenn, maybe, Could just because yeah. it was so brutal and disgusting. Um, well, that, then a dead means dead, right? Right. So in Walking Dead. Or even in Fables, uh, I think it the one bugged me when, um, when uh, the wolf kills... Uh, the Beast in Ozma, that one always just bugged me, too, something about it. Well, for one thing, yeah, he was it's... supposed to be a, a good guy, and, and it was just a disturbing death scene. It's just in the context of superhero comics where it's yeah. lost any lost any meaning. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, so by, my, only, my other thing, real quick, was um, that, I, that I really liked this week was Tales of Suspense 82. Um this is Iron Man and Captain America right now, of course. Uh, two stories. Um, first, Iron Man's first called White Force of Arms. It's a continuation from the previous issue and um, battle with the uh, another battle with the Titanium Man and Gene um, Gene uh, Colan is the penciler um, at this time, which is. You know, he 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 had come over to Marvel to do some superhero stuff fairly recently, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like he'd done a lot of work um, in comics, but hadn't done a lot of superhero stuff, and he he really brings a different kind of style and different kind of look to Marvel comics at this time, um, where. Besides Ditko, everyone else is kind of following Kirby's lead, uh, and uh, sometimes literally, you know, because he's laying stuff out a lot. But um, so yeah, it's just kind of most of this story is uh, Iron Man and Titanium Man um, following, you know, fighting um, while uh, people are looking on. Uh, there's a crowd behind a police barricade watching the fight in the skies including pepper pots and um <clears throat> happy um and 
there's a good example of like <laughs> where secret identities in the 60s there was i guess more suspension of disbelief you know um there's just a panel where happy and pepper are talking about you know tony stark knew what he was doing when he hired iron man as his bodyguard and and only if only tony was here now you know while they're watching iron man fight and it's just like most you know it's people most half intelligent people would put two and two together at that point you know um but um but yeah pretty much the whole uh the whole issue is this or a whole story um is this fight between the two of them but it's um it's it's well done well you know gene um colin hadn't done a lot of superhero comics but he had done a lot of comics and so he's he knows how to stage the action and and um it's easy to follow and everything just a solid story for the art mostly you know there's not a whole lot of story going on it's just um at the the cliffhanger is that um you know uh Pepper makes the um, mistake of kind of when the when the fight gets uh, down to the ground again, um, she makes the mistake of stepping out of the crowd and um, yelling out for Iron Man. And by calling attention to herself, she gets the uh, Titanium Man's attention, um, which is something that Tony was uh, afraid of. Um, so he this this ray beam that titanium man has emanating from his um top of his helmet um he captures her in it um and threatens her um i was it's funny so the next issue the story is called victory <laughs> and i always think um you know when they had these cliffhangers and they didn't have room i, I always think like did they really want to call the next story victory or did they feel like they had to because of the comics code to reassure the code that Iron Man is going to win in the next issue, you know? Um, otherwise, why have a cliffhanger and then immediately undermine it with the title of the next story? <laughs> Unless you kind of had to, but... Um, so, uh, but yeah, um, nice art on that one. Uh, Irving Forbush handled the emergency first aid and then in the Captain America story he is the now oh, that's where I got the sharpening pencils yeah this is where he sharpened the pencils um, Captain America this is a fun story um, they're kind of starting to not just kind of they, they literally are kind of tying this into the agent of shield stuff um, mentioned that's kind of some of Kirby's influence there um and um this uh is kind of one of those stories where the hero is wondering if they're going crazy um Cap sees some uh villains from his past like Agent Axis uh Fang the Warlord um who he believes to have died in the Hiroshima um bombing and he's just w wondering what's happening to him he's in um 
Avengers Mansion, and all of a sudden he finds himself behind the wheel of a vehicle with Bucky sitting at his side, um, and he's thrown into a battle with some Nazi soldiers, and all of a sudden he finds himself back in Avengers Mansion, like nothing ever happened, and he wonders what the hell is going on, but then he hears marching men on the floor below, and he sees his old squad leader, um, you know, marching um, soldiers along, uh, telling tells Cap to get in line and uh, that kind of thing. And um, he's starting to feel dizzy and he thinks he's going to pass out. And um, he's caught by Quicksilver. But then um, he's... And he's confused because at this time, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch had gone to Europe um, because they were having problems with their powers. And um, so he he's wondering why they're there. But then it's uh, Jarvis that who's it's Jarvis's arms that he wakes up in. And um, he just kind of at this point, he finally just passes out. And for a second, I thought that they kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a mistake, but just, I just thought it really odd because the page ends with a cap, ends with a cap, ends with a panel um, of Jarvis just holding, um, he's got his hands out like he's carrying a tray and he's just got Captain America spread across him. I'm like, I don't know if he could lift that guy like that, but um it wasn't a mistake. Um, so tying into the recent issue of Strange Tales, there was a um, story um, where they uh, find that um, there's an adaptoid that's kind of similar to the life model de- life model decoys that they use of um, Agent um, Fury, but they can it can um, take on any form. And sure enough, um, who we thought was Jarvis uh, is actually the adaptoid. And we see that Jarvis, the real Jarvis is unconscious in a closet um, and the adaptoid takes on the form of Captain America um, and picks up Cap's shield. So, um, Kind of, you know, for when Captain America first started appearing and Tales of Suspense for a while there, they were doing um, like World War II stories and stuff. And it's kind of took them a little while to figure out what they wanted to do with Cap in the um, in the current day. And, um, you know, but he's he's been in Avengers all along. And um, it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, this is one of the this and Fantastic Four and. Um, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nick Fury is where you kind of really see that strong Kirby influence, I think. And you kind of see, as time goes on, more and more of the kind of stuff that he would do over at DC in the fourth world, I think. So. so is this your favorite of the kind of double books? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um... Probably most of the time, uh, 
uh, Strange Tales is really good too because I like the Nick Fury story a lot and um, Doctor Strange. Is, Doctor Strange, yeah. Doctor Strange was really interesting uh, when Dick goes around, um, but uh, yeah, Doctor Strange is pretty cool. Um, but uh, so yeah, it's just, Tales to Astonish would probably be my least favorite because I'm not not reading the Submariner, um, but I want to follow along with what's going on with Hulk. Nice. So. Yeah, I've always read it when they're they're separated out, but reading it on the app, I'm sure is a different experience because you're getting the two different characters at once. Yeah. Yeah, there's not really any kind of you know they're they're pretty distinct from each other, but it is right. interesting to see how they how they pair up and stuff. So. I think I liked. Um... Tales to Astonish the most, which is interesting. <laughs> but uh, I like them all. So I really like the Ant-Man and the the Hulk and the Mariner stuff. That's that's what I was always going towards. <clears throat> but uh, my, my book is uh, Team America number two on the Rocky Mountain Death Race. And it introduces two new members, Wrench and Cowboy. This 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 series is so much fun. I love Team it America. Is, oh my God, this is uh, scripters are Jim Shooter, Dennis O'Neill, and Bill Matlow, and the pencilers Mike Vosberg, inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, so you got a strong um, team as far as creators go. But we're celebrating their win after they won. They weren't supposed to win because they were against a a super cycle that Hydra was trying to steal, and Hydra uh, failed to steal it because Team America stopped it, and the Marauder interrupted their plans. The Marauder's the mysterious guy on the motorcycle that nobody knows who it is, but they kind of like let you know, could it be any of our members of the team? It could be. I don't know. But anyway, they're celebrating. For some reason, Wolf, or if you want to call him Lobo, he doesn't like uh, the spotlight and the cameras in his face. And he, he uh, busts up the mic and trashes some stuff. And the women are all over um, one of their members. And then there's Red. And um, I think his name is Hondo. Hondo is the guy that might be a secret spy, but uh, he looks like he's... The James Bond of the group, and he might even be working for S.H.I.E.L.D. or some type of top secret organization. Uh, they have this weird thing, which I they never really explained, where they can like telepathically feel each other or know each other's emotions. So like when Wolf is being set off, Hondo knows that something's off. And this this sense that they have between them is very odd. Um, so they take their trophy, uh, Lobo smashes it, he gets mad, gets in a fight with Red because he comes from a rich family and they get into it. Um, they have uh, somebody that's following their adventures uh, and their race winnings and that is uh, Wrench. And what he is, is he has this van and he, he creates motorcycles and uh dune buggies and all kinds of stuff and he's like i want to work for team america so him and his wife are in this bus if you will and they they say we're gonna track these guys down 
and uh, get them to work, uh, see if I can get a job with them. Very confident that he will get a job with them. And then you have Hydra, which are dealing with the ramifications of their loss and their failure. And uh, there is one uh, Hydra woman there that uh, she seems like she wants to be the leader of Hydra because she's like, hail Hydra. And uh, they call her in to talk to the main uh, uh, Hydra agent. And uh, he he tells the other guys that she will fail. But she hire, hires an assassin who she tests by having a bunch of Hydra guys attack. And um, he, he obviously survives and says, your job is to draw out the marauder and kill him for what he did. Well, he's like, well, how am I going to do that? Well, I have to attack Team America to see if one of them's a marauder, if the marauder only comes out when Team America's threatened. So that's what he does. And that's when um, Cowboy says, you know, he, t he gets Hondo to, his name is Luke Merriweather, and he says, I want to be part of the team. And they, they greet him pretty early on. Uh, meanwhile, they're not sure if they're going to lose Lobo because Lobo's tired of this stupid racing thing with these clowns because he thinks he does all the work and he's the macho guy of the, he's the Wolverine, if you will, of Team, team America. And uh, he he's with the gang members and these two guys, the, the wrench actually comes with his wife out and say, hey, you're a wolf. Can I join Team America? And he's there with this motorcycle gang. And they're saying, who are these guys? Oh, his wife looks pretty hot. Let's, Let's take her and see if we could. she can join us. And then he's screaming for his wife, and that's when Lobo sets off, and he realizes the motorcycle gang he's with are, are, are not somebody he wants to be with. So he pulls out a chain and starts fighting these guys, and they jump on him. They uh, hit um, Wrench in the head, and that's when the mysterious marauder comes and um, drags off a couple of the motorcycle gangs. by, And then the... Uh, cowboy gets his rope and on his motorcycle starts roping them. So with the help of Marauder and the rest of Team America, they free them and then they're all joined back up as a team and end up in the Rockies. And instead of doing a motorcycle race, it's more like bring your own car type of race. It's almost like the Pikes Peak Hill Climb where it's like they have this race up Pikes Peak every year where it's like bring your own car and see whatever, you know, who wins. And it's a dangerous hill climb. Well, well, uh, Wrench makes this dune buggy for them to ride. And it's on not road, but like on weird terrain, rocky terrain that you would normally take like a Jeep on. And uh, they have to like do the handoff because one person can't do the entire race. Lobo wants to do the whole race, but he knows he can't. So he's supposed to hand off to Red. So they get ready for this race, and Assassin comes and attacks. He just walks off and says, I'm going to do something and to one of you in order to draw Marauder off if you don't tell me who Marauder is. So they join the race. Wolf is, is the first leg of the race, and he's supposed to hand off to Red in the middle of the race. They get up the kill, and that's when uh, the guys are in their Jeep just getting ready to drop the third leg of the race off. Uh, which is going to be a uh, cowboy and take over from there. But a helicopter with the assassin in it launches a ballistic missile at the Jeep 
that the rest of the team is up there making it to the third leg of the race and uh they get knocked out and luckily cowboy manages to save them from falling off the cliff meanwhile red has that uh sensitivity thing and something's going on so he decides to take off and go find out what's happening and leaves wolf there so he has nobody to hand off to and that's when the assassin then goes after uh they use bad terms in this like wet back he goes you're next wet back and he he goes after lobo and um tries to to kill lobo lobo makes it through the second round so even though he's not physically supposed to be possible he gets them to the second round in order to hand off midstream to cowboy because cowboy eventually made his way back to the race and uh takes over for wolf and they actually finish the race so the assassin fails and has to go back to uh, hydra headquarters and admit his failure and he's gonna get killed eventually but then marauder shows up and blows up the entire building that hydra's in so i don't know like who's left in hydra after this i i, I still think they're around but uh they did get their facility that they were in blown up by marauder and then wolf and them are all parting at the end even though they didn't win first prize because they crossed the finish line second because of the assassin because of his interruption so uh yeah this is a this is a fun this is a fun comic i'm really glad i bought it uh it's really cool and this is the time when uh gi joe number one was coming out because there is a ad in the back for gi joe number one and uh th there's also an interesting article in bullpup bulletins about somebody wrote in and says how the heck do i get moon knight micronauts and kazar uh, because they're direct exclusives and you know they say well you can get them well back then there were a lot of distributors that were doing the direct market you can get them from pacific comics and longhorn books and diamond comic distributors uh, so there's like they give them a list of distributors to go get <clears> that book it's almost like a, a bad idea <laughs> right right you, you you can't get them from your local stand but you can go get them if you can find out how to contact these distributors good luck <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i think the interesting thing with the uh, marauder he always gave me a, a snake eyes vibe just like the look you know oh sure yeah so I think it's interesting that the two characters were kind of basically created almost the exact same time. And Team America's a lot like G.I. Joe. You know, they yep. have their specialists. Yep. You know, you got Wolf and Hondo, and they are all they all have their nicknames. Wrench and Cowboy. So, they're yeah, they're very similar. Do you have US-1? I do. Are you going to do it next, or have you already read it all? I've already read it all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's only one issue I'm missing, but I have I've read the series. That's a really good one. Yeah, I had the same experience with it that you had with the Team America where I got all of it except like the last two and out of nowhere they got really for me expensive. I'm like $14 for the final issue. I was like that seems too much. So I think yeah. I finally tracked it down on sale for a little less than 10, but yeah, that was one I was thinking was going to be super cheap and wasn't i think i like us one just a little bit more yeah because I, it had a supernatural aspect to it and 
it was it was pretty pretty different. Yeah. Yeah, but this is highly entertaining for sure, and I like the the Hydra aspect of it. Oh yeah, because Hydra getting involved with the motorcycle racing is just kind of just wacky enough to be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody have anything else? That's it for me. I'm good. I just want to do a lightning round real quick. Uh, Doctor Strange number thirty-one. Um, this one was a, a done in one series, and I I actually bought this at a like a convenience store called Alsup's. And uh, at the time, I remember liking it a lot, but then trading it away because back then, if I didn't trade it, I was stuck with one book. And if I I only had you know thirty five cents, I it wouldn't come by very often, and uh, I would have to trade it to a friend for another book. So I, I I traded this one away and then repurchased it fairly recently. But this is Doctor Strange in his astral form goes to Atlantis to seek Submariner's help because he's being hunted by a guy Alaric who has obtained an Atlantean uh, sword called Camus. And uh, he wants to kill Doctor Strange because the god he's working for promises him Im- immortality if he can kill Doctor Strange. Uh, Submariner is pretty reluctant to, you know, to help him. He says, "I got my own. I got to worry about Atlantis. I'm king of Atlantis. I got to worry about it." But um, so Doctor Strange goes back to his body where he's being attacked by this guy Alaric, and Clea comes to the rescue and tries to save him. But uh, he actually knocks out Clea to get to Doctor Strange. And uh, then Submariner shows up, and he's the one that takes the blow. But because it wasn't Doctor Strange that got cut, the god that was part of the sword that promised the immortality, was, this broke the spell, and uh, he could no longer become immortal. And that's when Doctor Strange gets the upper hand and sort of... Uh, stops him and that he imprisons him but it's a really cool story and um i liked it a lot it was, it was a fun book to revisit knowing that i when i had it i read it a lot of times because it was one of the comics that i didn't have a lot of comics then and i just read comics over and over again if i didn't have anything else to read I always I I should do that with uh, an issue at some point for the show. We'd like take something that I think is burned in my memory and see how much I remember of it before I even read it. I didn't remember any of the details, but right. I remember the art. Like I remember the characters and the art and and Submariner. So yeah, it was a pretty good thing to revisit for sure. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I forgot to say what the creative team was. It's uh. Don McGregor, who I, who I, he's a guest scripter in this, and R. Vilmonte and Tom Sutton are the artists. Jim Shooter's the editor in chief. Man, he was around for a long time. And I bet it looks good if it's Tom Sutton. Yeah, I think he inked it. Nice. Yeah, it was a pretty nice looking book. Nice done in one. Really cool reading the letters page too, man. Talk about love hate the first guy was i love this issue and spoke highly of it and the next guy absolutely hated it so (laughs) those letter hacks back then yeah it's 
lot more work back then to write a letter, but it's cool that they printed the negative as well as the positive. Yep. All right, well, that's all I have. If anybody has anything else, let me know now, other than we can wrap up. Good to go. All right, thanks for joining us. And you've been listening to Geek Brunch Retrocast, found at geekbrunchpodcast.com, also located at Facebook at Geek Brunch Podcast. Click the like button. You can find uh, Joe at Iowa's Joe on at Twitter and uh, MythMakingETC on Twitter and me at Mike Myers Brunch and uh, on Twitter as well. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll hopefully be back in two weeks. Sounds good. All right, right, you guys take care. Yeah, you too. See y'all later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.